in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. of the sports hour this is mitch mo and this is the mormon welcome guys to another week of the sports hour we are excited today because we have mitch i feel like we have like a ton of things to talk about we do we absolutely do yeah tons of stuff we're kind of in that point well we are in the point where we have all three major sports going at once obviously the world series started on tuesday NFL, we're right mid-season, almost trade deadline. NBA started a few weeks or a week ago. So we're kind of like right in the thick of it. And because of that, there's a ton of news, a ton of things to talk about, and we're excited to get into all of it with you guys today. Mitch, what can they expect from our conversations today? You can expect some, some laughs. You can expect some tears. You can expect some feel-good moments. And some moments that you're going to hate us. Oh. You can expect all the feels today, guys. <laughs> all the feels. I love it. A very dynamic episode ahead. That sounds Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're coming uh, at you from all different angles, I'm gonna Now i got to think about, I'm going to make sure I make someone cry. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know I'm going to make people cry. Oh, really? Um, okay. You you cover that we, then. I can make them cry right now. We can start. Let's, let's start the day off with a good cry. Dallin, hit the sad music. <laughs> Uh, guys, I, I failed you again. I don't have a top five. Oh. I don't I don't want to put out. Oh! Whoa! Whoa! whoa. Mic drop. drop. Drop the mic drop. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't want to put garbage out for you guys. So, sorry. My bad. It's all, you know, nobody likes garbage. So No one likes garbage. We also have, like, a very fully loaded episode today already. Uh, sure, absolutely. which I mean, so at the very least, guys, you're gonna get a lot. So don't complain. We don't want no complaining out here. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, we don't complain. But we do care. We care about your feelings. So just absolutely. remember that we care, but we're not gonna do anything about it. So we care. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, sun's up, Dallin. Do you know what happens every morning when when the sun comes up? Maybe you get your hot cup of coffee. It gets you warm. Sit down on the couch. I eat do breakfast. You, what, do you, what do you What do you turn on? I turn on. Um, yeah, on the TV. <laughs> I turn on the news. Oh, you turn on the news. <laughs> Let's get into the news. I don't actually turn on the news for the record. I just go on Twitter oh. for my news. So, I, oh, I, who, okay. wa- who watches news any day? Anyways, goddamn millennial, turn on Twitter <laughs> for the news. Why don't you be a real American and just turn on your, your normal TV like a regular person? What are you talking about, Twitter? Who does that anymore? All right, Mitch, we got we got tons of news. Uh, shall we start with the NFL? Because the NFL is chock full of things to mention. Yes, let's start with that. Let's start with that. Okay, I do want to start by mentioning uh, the biggest thing I think in the NFL is the Amari Cooper trade 
We are actually going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast, so stick around for that. We're going to have a full in-depth conversation about that. Uh, so I just want to know, point out in the beginning that we do know it happened. We are aware. We're just not going to talk about oh, yeah. it at this particular moment. So I didn't want people going through the news segment and being like, how would you guys not talk about Amari Cooper? Bubble. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to it. No. We, we got it. Hold, we got it, guys. Don't hold worry. Hold your stallions, okay? You guys are in for a real treat for that conversation, too. We do. So we got we got a little special thing for that. that so, yeah, yeah, look forward to that. But, Mitch, other NFL news. What do you want to start off with? Well, let's start with the Lev Bell situation because this saga has been going on for weeks, and I think this is not the end of it. Um, Lev Bell did not report when he said he was going to report in week seven. Um, then he has not reported week eight. So, and he has been in contact with, I guess, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, They're saying that it is more likely that he is going to report week nine. Um, He's really trying to just take his own fate into his his own hands uh, as far as, you know, future contract stuff. And so um, he's going to, I think he's going to stretch this out as long as possible. So more likely week nine, I say week 10. Yeah, um, I don't think he comes back next week. But Dallin, your thoughts on this? Um, well, I you know I saw something about this, and it makes sense. I, I, I saw something saying that he wanted to wait till after the trade deadline, which makes sense because I know Pittsburgh isn't super keen on trading him, but it, it is a possibility. So it doesn't make sense for him to go back to Pittsburgh and then actually get traded a week later. So I I don't know. I originally said by week when we first talked about this. Uh, weeks ago, months ago, actually, at this point. And right. I thought that was the most ideal time post-trade deadline with what has happened. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. But at this point, I think you're right. He's just trying to, buy his own time, play as little as possible this year until uh, he absolutely has to. And well, I mean, even if, if then, was... I don't know how many touches he'll get with how well James Conner has played. So. Yeah, this is going to be a split workload, I think. And right. he even wanted... He Which is ideal. Wanted, like... For him. Two weeks after he comes back to like be on the roster but not be playing yeah. is what I read. So it's like yeah. he's obviously not ready to come back. I, I don't know if it's not ready. I think he just doesn't want to. He wants to play as little as possible because the less he plays, the less likely he ha- he is to be injured. And so, yeah, or whatever it takes know. to not play. Having having James Conner played so well, I think, actually works for, in his favor here because it means that they're not going to rely on him to come back and take on the full workload again. They have a guy who can, like you said, split carries with Lev Bell, and that's ideal for him because he'll play less snaps, get enough attention to sh- you know show his flash, show his strength, but also not put himself out there enough to risk injury. So interesting stuff. Whenever he shows back up, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, and we'll yeah. probably end up talking about it every week because it's always uh, drama filled. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And who knows? Maybe he'll get traded in three days. That'd be awesome. He that might would- be. I don't know. They, I, I understand why he doesn't want to get traded too. Um, he, he's essentially a rental at that point and almost playing for free. So it's like, a, well, he can't get traded without signing the, the the tag though right, right. It's, it's a real co- I mean we talked about this uh before on the pod but yeah it's, it's a real complicated process to trade him because he has to yeah it, it's a weird it's a weird thing so yeah. anyway don't expect him back this week guys if you're a fantasy owner owner of him don't expect to play him at least until next week maybe not even week 10 until week 10 so 
Um, so guys, a a strange situation um, in the NFL this week. Uh, actually, developing over the last forty eight hours. Uh, Chad Kelly, backup quarterback for the for the Denver Broncos, was arrested on criminal trespassing charges. Um, and he was promptly released by the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was arrested early Tuesday on suspicion of criminal trespass um, after a couple had reported that they that he came into their suburban house uninvited, sat down on their couch, and started mumbling incoherently. Um, a strange situation. This is following a Halloween party that he was attending um, that was hosted by Vaughn Miller, a Broncos teammate. Um, apparently he was acting erratically and kind of out of control. And so he was asked to leave that party, um, where he just randomly showed up in a couple's house and sat down on their couch and started mumbling. Um, so, so he was promptly released by the Denver Broncos, a strange situation, Dallin. Um, what do you take, what do you take out of this? I mean, is, is this a troubled young man? I I don't know what this is, but uh, I definitely want to see like the home security video of him walking in this couple's house and then just staring at him like uh, it's one a.m. mind you, and he sits down on the couch with next to the the woman who is holding one of her child her, her children in her arms. Like, what would you do? I I mean, the man chased him out of the house. I I, I probably have done more than chase the man out of my house, but. Uh, yeah, it's, I, a, it's a strange thing. You know, I, I, I the, a, apparently Elway is obviously not happy about this specifically because, uh, Chad Kelly has had off the field issues in the end of his collegiate career, post collegiate career already. And he was very weary about taking him, but Jim Kelly, who is Chad Kelly's uncle convinced Elway that, he was committed and that uh, he wouldn't have any issues. And now something like this happens, not even two years after being drafted. Uh, not a good situation for Chad Kelly. I don't see, I, I mean, he was kind of a backup to begin with. Do you see him even getting a job in the NFL after this? Uh, I don't know. Maybe some by someone desperate. I mean, if someone's really desperate to have some sort of arm depth at the quarterback position, sure. Absolutely. Um, what I found was what was interesting about this situation is that he didn't have any tests done to determine if he had drugs or alcohol in his system when he was arrested. That's um, from the Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office. Um, the, the office was responding to some reports that he that when he was booked or his booking form said that his BAC level was at a zero, which is really strange. Um which definitely points to maybe some drug use there. Yeah, um, if, I'm, it, I'm not it, really sure. No one just does that dead sober. Right, I mean, right. I mean, no one, was, no one. Well, and that's what you know with the, with the with the team party, the Halloween party. You know that that they, they say they basically kicked him out because he was acting strange, uh, and they they he made all his teammates uncomfortable. He had to have been on something, and if his if his blood alcohol level was zero, then. Then, yeah. it's got to be drugs or something it's just a weird it's a weird we were talking about this before the pot it's this is a strange thing i i I've, i don't know if i've ever heard anything more unexpected unexpected in the last like month of my yeah. life <laughs> like, he's gonna it's yeah it's so strange um 
he was so some of so some of this problems that he's had in in college. Uh, he was kicked off Clemson's team in 2014 for arguing with coaches during a spring game. He was also arrested at a bar fight in 2014, eventually pleading guilty to misdemeanor and a charge of disorderly conduct. So, like you said, Dallin, a guy that's had f- problems on and off the field. Apparently, I mean, apparently he's he's not the most he's not the best guy to have on the field with you. Um, and he definitely has his issues off the field as well. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if he got a job after this. Yeah, Absolutely. well, especially because since he's been drafted, he he sat out basically all of his rookie year with injuries. So he's an injured guy, and obviously has off-field issues. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, practically at this point, that's like untouchable. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be extremely desperate, and even at that, I think there's guys you'd be more willing to bring onto your roster than Chad Kelly. So what yeah. a, we I am excited to get updates on this and we will update you guys as we must find out more about this and talk about it here on the podcast because it is a strange thing. Not once did I think I'd ever talk so much about Chad Kelly. Yeah, not not once in my life. <laughs> Chad, right. you've done it, bud. You, you've made well it. Well done. You've, 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 you've made it, my friend. <laughs> I mean, he's the number uh, one article on ESPN right now. On their news, the number one thing is Chad Kelly. Getting... There you go, Chad. Well done, my friend. Adam well boy, done. you weren't well getting done. the rec- you weren't getting the recognition for playing football. You're going to get the recognition for doing weird shit and getting arrested. For it. So, <laughs> exactly. Go. Oh man! All right. Before we get into some of the trades that have occurred in the NFL, I do want to mention one injury. Uh, Sonny Michelle was injured in Sunday's game, carted off the field in that Pats game in Chicago. Uh, Reports are saying, as of, I think, Monday, that there is no structural damage to his knee, which is what they were hoping for. Obviously, the injury looks really bad. Having to be carted off the field, not good. But no structural injury. He is weak. No structural damage. He is weak to weak from here on out. Uh, So good news if you're the Pats, because it's not something extremely serious, maybe season-ending uh, but it will probably keep sending Michelle out for a little bit. So I would, I, especially fantasy wise, Burkhead probably becomes more of a, re- uh, more of a relevant name in fantasy football. And obviously, uh, James White probably going to get a little more touches on the ground now that Sonny Michelle is out, but he's just started finally playing really well too. So it's kind of a shame. I I'd stay away from Burkhead personally, uh, because he's injured. Um, oh yeah, there you go. So, but James White, absolutely. James White does become uh, a a more relevant name. And we saw what he was able to do there uh, in that game against Chicago this last week. Very much a part of that offensive attack. So, um, now granted, he definitely got more touches because Sony Michelle went down. Right. But um, they were kind of splitting the workload before then. But, uh, yeah, definitely look at James White in your fantasy leagues. Yeah. All right, um, to get into some of this trade uh, stuff that has occurred before we get into the actual trades, just a few rumors, a few other things. Patrick Peterson, the cornerback for the Cardinals, has asked for a trade. Uh, Apparently, according to reports, he never actually formally asked the coach or the GM for a trade. Uh, He just has said that to multiple people, and it kind of just got put out there. 
Uh, the Cardinals have said they have no desire to trade him. Of course, obviously, he's like a Pro Bowl cornerback. But this is a team that's in a rebuild that has one win right now with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. So kind of the guy, he's kind of that the type of guy that gets traded at the trade deadline, right? I mean, this isn't a guy that's going to be around for the rebuild. So this, you know, if you can get a third or fourth round pick for him, that's what you want to do. Uh, so I don't know. Do you think he'd get? He's gonna get traded, or do you think he'll, they'll hang on to him? I mean, it's hard to say with the Arizona Cardinals. It really is. It's just, um, you know, he's he's definitely the type of player that would get traded in this situation. Um, he's kind of a, a veteran presence. Um, he's not old, but aging, and so he's he's definitely um, kind of next up to be dealt um, as as far as that goes. So we could. I could see him getting dealt. I could also see him sticking around and maybe um, being the Larry Fitz type on defense for him. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald obviously has never been dealt. And so I could see him sticking around and being a Larry Fitzgerald type and being that veteran presence on the defensive side of the ball for him. Yeah, you know, he is 28, so he's he's not super old. Uh, He's already made uh, seven Pro Bowls. And three all proteins, which is insane at his age. Uh, but he has about six and a half million dollars left on his salary for this year, and then he signed through twenty twenty, so he'll have eleven million next year, and then twelve million in twenty twenty. Uh, so he is around for a few years, but that's the kind of move I think a team like the Cardinals will make. Clears up ten million in cap space next year, allows you to use that on other players, and, and obviously get a draft pick in return for him. Uh, you know, they, they, they probably would expect something high. I think it's more likely that they'd end up with like a third round pick. Maybe. I mean, I guess probably is. Let me think. What was, was Richard Sherman traded or was he really, I don't He was released, right? He wasn't traded. No, he was not traded. Okay. I'm um, trying to think of what I, I the, the precedent for a guy like this. I obviously seven pro bowls, three all pros. That's huge. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Would he get a first round pick? Or are you like second is probably the highest you would trade for him, right? I, I, I would go as high as a second. I, I would go and feel comfortable about it. Right. Um, right. Because this is a, like I said, a veteran presence, like and like you said, seven seven Pro Bowls, and he's twenty eight years old. Yeah, um, this guy obviously is one of the more talented cornerbacks in the league, um, and so I I wouldn't feel comfortable paying up a first though because you're going to be getting him on the back half of his career. Right, so. he's on the wrong side of twenty eight, and, and though that is not super old for especially a defensive player. That, you know, it starts to get weary when you're paying a guy $10 million to be in and his second 30s, round picks you know? typically are bigger risks because, like, you could really hit it big on a second round pick or you could really flop on a second round pick. Right. So I'd really feel comfortable trading for a 28, 29 year old Patrick Peterson for a yeah. second round pick and be okay with that. So. Yeah, and I would keep an eye on the Cardinals in general. I think uh, at, at the point, the state of their franchise, I, th- I think it's very likely we're going to see some trades of veteran players. Uh, I, I think a guy like Patrick Peterson, like I said earlier, is, is like the prime example of somebody who would get traded from a team like this. Uh, I would just keep an eye on them 
uh, and, and the possibility of trades that they will make uh, a team like them and obviously the Giants who have already begun that process. Teams that are in that mode of, okay, yeah, we're, we're, take, we're not, we're not going to do anything this year. We've got our young players. Let's, let's kind of clear, clear cap space, get some picks, and, and, and try to look for the future. So uh, keep an eye on them as far as trades. Uh, Denver is also rumored to be shopping Demarius Thomas, uh, which is a surprise uh, they've kind of backtracked, but you know how they do. Teams do. They're like, oh, no, we're not. But in reality, they are. And uh, they just don't want to be public about it. And, um, yeah, so the, uh, Denver might be a team that's looking to move some veteran pieces around. Yeah, I, I think that now's the time for them to do that as well. Um, but like we talked about with the Cardinals, they're probably not going to make much of a splash this year um obviously they're not postseason contenders so why not deal some away um there's a lot of stock for patrick Lindsay right now um so why patrick did i say his name right holy smoke Phil, it's philip Lindsay. philip philip we just talked about patrick peterson there's too many p's yeah i said that and i was like what that's not right <laughs> philip Lindsay. there's a lot of stock for him right now um i i know he's kind of a cult hero right now in denver but um that might be a piece that you could look to deal away. I don't think so. As a rookie, I don't, I don't think you want to trade a rookie that you're paying not that much money. I think he he was undrafted, right? So he's getting paid literally nothing. So sure. Sure. You don't want to trade that. I could see maybe a guy like a Devonte Booker, who is kind of now the third guy between, you know, Lindsay Royce Freeman. And now Booker is kind of like that bottom guy. If you could get something for a young running back like that, that still has some promise, maybe, um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see some of these older defensive pieces too that have already left in the last few years. Uh, can, you know, Chris Harris Jr. For example, maybe being a guy, uh, that they might try to shop out. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Denver and see, and see, they might be a team that, that tries to make some moves as well. Uh, but yeah. we do have a team that has made a move, made two moves already. And that's the New York Giants, Mitch. What did they? What have they done in the last few days? So the Giants have traded star cornerback Eli Apple to the New Orleans Saints and defensive tackle Damon Harrison to the Lions for a fifth round pick. Um, obviously, they're they're dealing guys away now. They're getting ready to rebuild. They want to get the draft picks in. Um, it. it, it a good move. A good move, I think, on the part of both New York and particularly New Orleans, who has been torn up through the air this year. Um, a pretty porous defense. Um, a lot of holes in that defense, and adding Eli Apple to play on the edge um, as a as a pass defender is really going to be a, a good addition for them. Um, and the Giants, they really need to they need to think they need to think for the future. Now, this is not a team that's going to do anything. In the near future, granted, they do have a good passing attack, not the right quarterback, a good a good skill set at the wide receiver and tight end position. I think obviously they have Saquon Barkley, a great running back, um, but they, they need to. There's a lot of holes in that team still, and I think that dealing away these big, these bigger names, these guys that have a lot of value in exchange for draft picks, um, is is going to be beneficial in the long run for them. Yeah, you know, uh, Eli Apple was a for, he's a former first-round pick uh, out of, I believe, Ohio State. And a good player, but hasn't really developed the way they, they wanted. Uh, they got a fourth and a seventh-round pick for him, which fourth-round picks, 
anywhere up into, I think, the fifth round is a really solid pick. And even sixth and seventh round picks can be good. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that's a, a, a decent return for him. Like you said, a team that needs to be rebuilding right now, uh, New Orleans, oddly enough, I saw this stat the other day, uh, in next year's draft, they have already traded away their first round, their third round and their fourth round pick. Uh, so they're left with their second and then five through seven, the seventh round pick they traded in the Eli Apple is a 2020 draft pick. Uh, so they still have their seventh for 2019, but with they're without, they're, the second round is all they have next year, uh, which is strange. And Sean Payton said today he's not worried about that. Uh, obviously, they're in there. You know, Drew Brees is your quarterback. You're winning now. You, you know, so the draft picks, not not really the concern. They have a good team. They have possibly a Super Bowl caliber team right now. So it makes sense. But that's a lot of draft stock to get rid of in the last year uh, for this team. Uh, so just thought that was an interesting note. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a question as we're talking about the Giants uh, and trades. Obviously, they traded away two guys, Eli Apple, young guy. Damon Harrison has uh, been a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. What is What are the odds? I want to know your odds of the Giants trading Eli Manning. Like, if you had to put a number on it, what are the odds that they actually go through and trade Eli? The, the odds that they shop him? High. I, I don't know. Maybe 70%. The odds that anyone takes it, can I give a negative percent? <laughs> I, I, like a I negative don't, five? <laughs> you'd really have to be just an incompetent franchise to take Eli Manning right now. His, he has fallen off the cliff. He's done. He, he, the best case scenario for the Giants is that they bench him, play Kyle Laletta, and have Eli ment- mentor Kyle Laletta going forward for the rest of the year. That's the best case scenario for him. Uh, um, it, no one's going to take an Eli trade. And if, and if you're taking an Eli trade, you really are an incompetent franchise or you're in super desperation mode. So desperate that you'll take Eli F and Manning <laughs> to start for your team. Jacksonville, maybe, maybe he winds up in Jacksonville. They're pretty desperate, aren't they? Yeah. Well, that was what I was going to point out. I think it's about a 10% chance. I'm going to give it 10%. One, because I, you know, he is a Giants legend. Hard to trade a guy like that. And you don't know if you're even going to get a return from it, let alone interest. But there are, I, I just want to throw out a few teams that I, you know, it's, it's possible. It's possible. And the two teams are one Jacksonville, obviously Tom Coughlin's there. There, there is a connection between the giants and Jags. And I mean, they bench their starting quarterback on Sunday to put in Cody Kessler. So obviously they're not happy with, with what's going on right now. I don't know if Eli is improves that situation at all, but I, I certainly think they might think about it. And another team I might throw out there is the Miami dolphins who, are four and three technically in the playoff picture. And yes, they haven't looked great at times, but they also are above 500 through seven games, which is a great spot to be in right now. And Ryan Tannehill has had injury issues. Brock Osweiler is starting right now. And though he hasn't looked terrible, I think Eli is an upgrade from Brock Osweiler. So maybe that's a a move that gets made. I mean, I think Adam Gase is probably worried about his job, needs to win, needs to do something this year. And uh, maybe Eli puts them there. I I don't know. What do you think of that? For for Jacksonville? 
uh, for either of those teams? I know you just mentioned Jacksonville, but do you think Miami's a, a possibility? Oh, I don't know. I don't know with Miami. I, 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 that's a great question. I have no yeah. idea with Miami. Yeah, there's so many question marks with that team. The way they started off and the way they're built is so confusing. I don't Absolutely. know. If, I don't know if the way that I don't know if they add Eli Manning. Uh, it it does. It wouldn't make sense to me. Personally, I don't think that adding Eli Manning would make a whole ton of sense. Um, but I guess it's possible if the, if the Dolphins can start off four and two, I guess anything is possible, right? Right. Well, and here here's my thinking with it. I don't think Eli would really make them better or make them a playoff team. But I could see Miami thinking that it would, right? Because of the position that they're in right now. They're four and three. They play Houston on Thursday night. That's a game that they could maybe win. So let's say they're sitting at five and three or four and four. And they say, Hey, we could, we're kind of there at the edge of the playoffs. Maybe a veteran quarterback who's won Super Bowls, who maybe is on his last leg and wants to prove he could do it. Maybe we can bring him in. I don't think it would work, but I could see Miami tricking themselves into thinking, hey, this might actually be a good move. <laughs> it's kind right, of how yeah. I'm looking at it. You know, not that like it's a good trying football to make move, a push. but yeah. I could see them doing it anyways, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see it. I could see it. They're pretty, in- pretty and confusing. Then, and they then, might, like I they said, might just do a confusing move like that. And then, like I said, Adam Gaze is probably worried about his job right now because, I mean, everything hasn't really gone that well since he's been a a head coach there. So I could see him maybe thinking bringing in Eli and making a push for the playoffs helps him with his job security, which is why a lot of trades are made is for job security. (laughs) So uh, I don't know. 10% is what I put on it, but I just thought that was interesting. I I wanted to throw that out to you. Uh, Is there any other NFL news? I think that was about it, right? Yeah, I just have one fun fact about the NFL that I wanted to throw out there. Um, This is insane. Uh, We all know that Todd Gurley is on a torrid pace right now. I think he's, what, scored like 14 touchdowns so far throughout the course of the year, um, including a two-point conversion. That gives him 88 points scored for the entire year. Todd Gurley has outscored the entire Buffalo Bills through week seven. Um, the Todd Gurley has scored 88 points. The Buffalo Bills have only scored 81. Wow. Let that sink in for a minute. I mean, holy smokes. I, I, obviously, this is a sign that Todd Gurley is the best player in football for me. Um, but this is also a sign that the Buffalo Bills are by far the most anemic offense in football. Worse than a lot of teams that you've maybe thrown in that conversation, like like the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Or maybe maybe I, I I know they had a big game against Green Bay, but maybe the San Francisco 49ers just based on based on what they have around them. Right. Um The Buffalo Bills are really bad. Really bad. And the fact that one player outscores an entire team is Unbelievable. That's Unbelievable. insane. I, I have a question for you. So if uh, if you took the entire Bills and you put offensive defense against just just Todd Gurley on a football field, like I would take the Bills in that matchup, but by like how much 
Because I think Todd Gurley might have a shot to score a few touchdowns by himself, like no other players on the field against the entire Bills defense. It's it's pretty bad. Like I've always said that the offensive line is the most important unit on the football field. Todd Gurley might be able to do it by himself against the Buffalo Bills. This team is so bad. He might... <laughs> He might be able to take him on one on you know one on eleven on defense. Yeah, that's what I'm he, saying. He's that type. Yeah, he's that type I, of guy. So. You know, and and I'd even say you put Todd Gurley on defense against the Bills offense, he probably gets uh, he probably forces a punt, right? At least once. I mean, yeah, there I might be so. wide wide open wide receivers out there, but but I mean when when <laughs> when you got Derek Anderson starting games and you threw in Nathan Nathan Peterman earlier in the oh, season, he I, would I, pick off Nathan Peterman <laughs> at least three times. <laughs> Nathan Peterman would have four wide wide receivers spread out, all running streaks towards the end zone. Todd Gurley's running like a QB spy in the middle of the field, and Nathan Peterman would just throw it straight to Todd Gurley. Yeah, just like straight or. Out. He would overthrow his receiver by so much that an eight-year-old fan would pick him off in the first round. Just <laughs> right there. Oh, man. Pretty It'd be much. incredible. I, I love, I, I'd pay to I see love shitting on Nathan Peterman. I, I hope we do this every episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. That is, uh, that is crazy, Mitch. Thank you for sharing that stat. That's insane. That so is, bef- that before insane. we move on um, into our next segment, our, our uh, exclusive interview... Um, we have to cover a very important game that happened last night, Dallin. We had a World Series Game 1. Yes. That happened last night. Uh, the Dodgers fell to the Boston Red Sox in Boston 8-4. to um, a, 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 a game that Clayton Kershaw definitely did not look like himself there. Uh, four innings pitch, seven hits, five earned, three walks, and five strikeouts. Um, a... A very un Clayton Kershaw like performance. Um, where on the other side, Chris Sale threw only four innings as well. Now, of course, he was coming out of the hospital, um, so he was definitely maybe not at a hundred percent. But the Red Sox bats came to life last night, like they have been the entire postseason. Um, what do you take away from this game? Um, you know, the key to this series to me is if any of these teams can get a solid performance from a starting pitcher, because it's all about offense. Obviously we know what Boston can do offensively, but the Dodgers hit the second most home runs in the MLB behind the Yankees this year. They have had one of the most prolific offenses this season. And it's going to come down to if any starting pitcher can have like a six innings to run performance because neither of these bullpens are strong. That's definitely the weakness between both of these. And the Dodgers bullpen did look better against the Brewers. They actually were able to match, in a lot of ways, what the Brewers bullpen was able to do in the postseason. Uh, But to me, it's going to come down to if any starting pitcher is going to be able to have a good start, uh, a good performance. And uh, if anything, I expected Sale or Kershaw to do that last night, and they didn't. I think that's indicative of what we're going to see in this World Series, which is offense, which personally I'm very excited about because watching the Dodgers play the Brewers for seven games was painful. It was painful how bad the hitting was in that series. It was awful. And I am excited to see some offense. Uh, hopefully more from the Dodgers and less from the Red Sox, obviously. But to me, yeah, it just comes down to starting pitching. Can any of these starting pitchers pitch well enough to get to the seventh inning 
and allow that bullpen to only to, to only rely on the back end of the bullpen to have only pitch a few innings and can limit offensively what either of these teams can do. I don't know if it can be done. I, I don't yeah, know. I, I I don't know either. The Red Sox, though they only got four innings out of Chris Sale, they actually pitched really well while using what was it, a total of seven guys. They they threw Matt Barnes for an inning, Joe Kelly for an inning. Ryan Brazier for two-thirds, Eduardo Rodriguez for a third. Nathan Eovaldi came in and yeah. threw an inning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's been in the starting rotation most of the year. Um, and then Craig Kimbrell came and closed it out. And so, I mean, none of those guys really taxed themselves. And so they really made themselves available, most of them at least, for game two. Uh, it, this is going to be a tough series for the Dodgers. I, I, I really do think it is. I, I know I had, I think what we originally called it, we had Houston and LA in this and Houston winning in seven. Um, Boston, with the way that they're playing right now, it wouldn't surprise me if it goes five or six. I mean, this is a really, a really solid team. Yeah. You and know, I, 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 was call, I was calling an upset. I, I mean, let's be honest. We were both calling an upset in the ALCS. Yeah. We've seen yeah. a lot of really good teams in the past win 105 plus games and then get ousted in the, in the, in the CS series. So this is a team that proved that like, no, we're, we really are 108 wins. Good. Like we are that good. And I think that this is going to be a team that who has run over every other team that they've played so far in the postseason, run them over, just railroaded them. So I think that's going to be a, I could see it going five or six games. I, I are really going to have to step it up. I, I don't think there's any way it doesn't go. It goes less than six games because I, I wouldn't stake too much in this for, because basically what this game comes down to is a three run pinch hit home run by Nunes, which was huge. But before that it was a tight game. And every time the Dodgers scored, the Red Sox responded. Then the Dodgers responded. It was pretty back and forth up until that point. I mean, it was a five, four game. And then obviously Nunez hits the big home run, opens it up, and then that was the game after that. And 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 obviously hats off to, to their offense for being able to do that against the Dodgers bullpen. But I, I this wasn't a blowout. This wasn't like a dominant performance. It was a close game throughout. The Red Sox did what they needed to do, and the Dodgers didn't. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in this series. It's going to be really tight to me. I, I wouldn't stake a lot in this. All I would stake out of this first game is that it's all going to be about the offense. And one of these starting pitchers, whether it's Price, whether it's uh, Ryu, whether it's Bueller, whether uh, whoever a starting pitcher, one of these starting pitchers can turn the tide of this series if they can get six or seven innings and only give up like two runs. That, to me, can change the whole series. If somebody can pull that off. And I, I don't know. If Sale and Kershaw can't do it, I don't know who can. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. You might, you might have a good point there. Um, I just, I really think the life in this Red Sox bats and these Red Sox bats are just, they might be too much to handle for LA. And yeah, that's just where they I'm look great. That, I mean, but. the Red Sox look great as a, as a Dodgers fan. They, they look, they look really, really good and it's going to be tough. But I mean, this Dodgers team looked pretty down against the Brewers too. And ended up winning that series in seven. I, I think there's a lot to this team, especially once they get to go back to LA for three games. I think that's going to make a huge difference. Uh, they still have a game tonight. This is Wednesday, uh, the 21st, we're, 4th, we're recording right. this. So they have a game tonight in Boston. They can steal this one. It's a whole new series. So a but lot like of baseball said, to be played. Yeah, and it, it's going to have to come down to Dodgers' bullpen. I mean, like you said, against the Brewers, they look down. 
But in the last, was it three of the last four games they played against the Brewers, they held the Brewers to two runs or under. Yeah. So it's going to have yeah. to be a bullpen. It's going to have to be bullpen for the Dodgers, something that's maybe not as been reliable as reliable for them Absolutely. down the stretch. So absolutely, but uh, a fun game matchup. I, I, you know, as much as we both picked obviously Houston than Dodgers, and I definitely wanted to get some revenge against the Astros. I, you know, uh, two classic old time uh, teams in the MLB, two of the oldest stadiums in baseball, and to be able to play the World Series at Dodger Stadium in Fenway, it, it is super cool. It is super. Well, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's the first meeting between these teams in the World Series since 1916, back when the Dodgers weren't even the Dodgers; they were the right. Brooklyn Robins. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they were playing the Boston Red Stockings back then. So it's um it, it's a uh, and it I is think cool. what I read it is cool. What I read back then, it's so far back that Babe Ruth was actually a starting pitcher in that World Series. Right. So right. <laughs> it, it's a uh, it, it definitely is a, a different historic, times. <laughs> a, a historic matchup. It's been over a hundred years, hundred and two years since these two teams met in right. the World Series. So um a very very intriguing matchup. Game two is tonight on Fox. Going to be first pitch is going to be around five ten between five ten and five twenty this evening. Um, game two will be in Boston. Yeah, is that yeah, all we got great. for the news? No, we have NBA. We still don't even get to oh, NBA. We do have NBA after all of Holy that. Smokes. We told it's you guys. A mega news segment. <laughs> we told you guys there's a lot of stuff to talk about because three sports at a time. So NBA, uh, the biggest thing that Mitch and I want to talk about, which everybody has talked about, and if you've heard about it already, I don't care because Mitch and I haven't been able to talk about it, and that is. Saturday night fights between the Rockets and the Lakers. Uh, uh, yeah. What what a what a fun thing. I don't know. I loved all of it. Um, big fight broke out specifically between Rondo and CP3. Ingram came in once the scrub started and 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 tried to sucker punch CP3, and uh, they were all suspended. Ingram for four games, Rondo for three, and uh, Chris Paul for two. Mitch, what were your thoughts about this fight? About what happened, maybe what instigated it, and and what we've uh, we what we've seen post uh, post fight, I guess. Well, I I because we talked about this before we started recording, and I know that you have an argument that uh, probably opposes what I'm going to say here. Um, Rondo started this fight. You don't just spit on someone and not expect to get punched in the face. It, it's it was very apparent that he had reared back, spit, and then the way Chris Paul reacted was that it had hit him in the face. And so, yeah, when you spit on someone, expect to get rocked. I mean, it, it's it's so apparent to me that, that Rondo was the instigator in this one. Um, it, a very physical game up to that point. Uh, this was kind of the breaking point. But, um, yeah, Rondo just, he is securing himself as one of the most I think he was probably one of the more disliked players in the league up to this point and now he's really solidifying himself as one of the more disliked players in this league to me at least yeah you know here's what I will say Rondo came out yesterday uh and had talked to ESPN on 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 this was so this was Tuesday um, and said, basically, I'm going to, uh, this is the only time I'm going to address this, this is quote, quote, this is the only time I'm going to address this. I had a mouse, mouthpiece in my mouth, and I was exasperated because I was about to tell him to get the F out of here. Look at my body language in the video, my hands on my hips. 
I turn away for a second after the spit, which we've seen in the Zoom in video. He said, look at Eric Gordon, look at Mello in the video. If they saw me spit, they would have turned their face up or something. They had no reaction. And I think it's a valid point. I, I, I'm not, I, Rondo obviously spit on him. And, and he doesn't say that he didn't spit. All he said is that he didn't intentionally spit. Which oh, I agree with because you look at his like what? if you're gonna spit on a guy in his face you got to be ready to fight which is what he says basically he's like my hands are at my hips I like in the video he spits and then he like turns his face away like Mitch if we were in an altercation and I spit on your face I'm not gonna go turn my face and be like yeah I spit on you now now please punch me right here where I turned away from you. No, it's because like, he's a coward. He's spitting. He's turning away because he doesn't want to fight. He wants to get away with spitting he, it wasn't, in cp He didn't face. turn his body away. He turned his face to the side. Listen, th- this this is not an intentional spit. Did he spit in his face? Yes. Yes, he did. And Rondo has said he's not denying that. But d- this isn't an intentional spit, okay? This, this is not. Nobody spits in somebody's face and then just turns their face to the side and keeps their hands by their hips, just like allowing themselves to get punched in the face. That makes no. zero sense. That makes no, zero it, sense. No, what you could see in the video, he rears back and then pushes his head forward as if he is spitting in he someone's did not. direction. No, he did not. He yes, did not he did. Move his head. Watch he the didn't. video. I've watched it like a thousand times. Yeah, same here. And there you can is see no, the head like, movement forward. There is to, no like, head I'm going to spit forward. in your face. No, there's not. There is a Listen, head movement forward. There no is, one just intentionally spits that much in someone's face just because they have a mouthpiece. In the video, you just, like, barely see this little bit of spit. I mean, he's still spitting oh his God. face, but it's not like he, like, hocked a loogie and was like, all right, let me, let me nail this guy in the eye. Like, nothing of the video, like, looks like any situation in which you would spit in somebody's face and then get ready to fight. Like nobody's ready to fight. Nobody reacts except for Chris Paul. So Mello's standing there a foot away from him and doesn't see him spit. Rondo doesn't react as if he spit. CP3 touches his cheek like, oh, I got spit on and then punches Rondo, which is the understandable reaction. But nobody else in the situation reacts in a way that would indicate that Rondo intentionally spit on him. No, he turned his head to the side a little bit, like, up, uh, and winked his eye, like, uh, God. Got he didn't me wink face. his eye. He, he did he not did. wink kinda, his eye. Did. Mitch, no, come he, on. Oh he didn't God. wink he, his eye. You, are you watching the same video as Mitch, me? Mitch, I have are watched this video 6,000 times. He did not that is wink as his intentional eye. as it comes. That no, he it is not. No, it is not. Yes, it is. It is not. Yes, it is. There's no way You're just being a Lakers homer right now. I'm not. That's what you're doing. one, I don't even like Rondo that much. I don't like Rondo that much. Nobody I really don't. does. I but really if he's don't. on your team, you're going to back him up, right? No, it has nothing to do with that. The point is, oh. if you look at the video, it doesn't look like he intentionally spit in his face. There's no reason why, if I'm going to fight somebody and I'm mad at them enough to spit in their face, I'm going to keep my hands in a position where I can't defend myself, and then I'm going to turn my head, allowing you to punch the entire side of my face. Look who's surrounding him, though. He's got LeBron behind his back. He's got Ingram behind him. Of Ingram's he's nowhere not close. Think, he, no, 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 no. He no. Wants Ingram, people to Ingram fight is nowhere him. close. Ingram, Lonzo, and Lance Stevenson are at half court. This is happening in the paint. LeBron's the only one that's close, and then Eric Gordon and Melo are there. So it's three versus two, and LeBron ain't fighting. LeBron ain't fighting. In fact, when the fight starts, he LeBron grabs CP3. He doesn't even grab Rondo. So it's really like there's there, this is not the situation to get into a fight. 
None of his teammates are near him besides LeBron, and it's three versus two, at least immediately there. No, he's this is it, not the so situation it, to fight. He didn't react so like he was trying he to start a fight. Face intentionally. It's so apparent. It's uh, not even it's not even close. I cannot not believe even you think it's that obvious. It is clearly not obvious. It is obvious. so obvious. It is so obvious. And for him to try to defend himself saying that it was because he was wearing a mouthpiece is absurd. Everyone's born we we've heard players we Stephen A Smith just said this morning, "Yeah, I used to wear a mouthpiece." But never that much, never do you spit that much coming out because you're wearing a mouthpiece. I wore a mouthpiece. You don't, you don't spit that much when you got a mouthpiece and you're trying to talk. It just doesn't happen unless you have a serious salivary gland disorder <laughs> where spit just comes flying out of your mouth like that. It, it is seriously absurd to think that he would not intentionally spit on Chris Paul. How it's, is it's it that absurd? Is people accidentally spit all the time. I do that when I talk fast. I do that not in loogie form. Not in loogie form. That is not a loogie, Mitch. We are talking about a grainy. Mitch, we are talking about a grainy video that's been zoomed in six times, and that's the spit we're talking about. And we want to pretend like we actually know how big the spit is. It is not that clear. It really isn't. It looks like a ghost. Okay. It is not like this big old chunk of white that just goes across the screen. It really isn't. Get out of here. I'm not that. denying. Obviously, he spit on him, but we're not going to sit here and pretend like this is the most obvious video. High definition. We can tell how big this spit is. <laughs> I, I, I'm just shaking my head at you right now. I'm just That's shaking great. my head at you. I, I'm, I'm doing the I same, can't man. Believe, I can't believe. I, I can't literally, believe that out of you. I, I can't. I can't. Let us know, guys, what you think, because I think this is fascinating. I do enjoy that, that Rondo called out Chris Paul and said he wants to pretend like he's the good guy, but uh, he's really not, and said that he's a bad teammate, and then everyone was like, well, I don't really know about that, and then I saw something... Uh, Big Baby Davis. I don't remember his f- real first name, but Big anyways. Baby Davis. If all people are going to come to his defense, it's Big Baby Davis. Yeah, he played with both CP3 and Rondo, and he basically said, "Yep, I agree." And I don't think he said that Rondo was a great teammate, but basically all he's saying is Chris Paul wasn't a great teammate either. So, like, you know, I don't know. He's not the greatest guy. All, all I'm saying, not an intentional spit, but Big still Baby Davis was kind of a shyster in his life too, in his career too. So. I'm just saying. Yeah, all right. I'm just saying. All right, that's great. That's great. Either way, it was wildly entertaining. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. It was yeah. that. It is great. It is great. I, I think it's hilarious. Um, but before before we wrap up with the NBA, uh, I just want to do. Uh, I just want to mention uh, every week when we talk about the NBA, we, we just want to highlight a few individual performances that maybe like stuck out uh, to us from the last week. Uh, so I have three written down that I want to mention. Uh, the first is our boy, our friend, Nikola Jokic, who Mitch and I have been very high on. Uh, obviously, in, in the Megasode, we mentioned him uh, as a obviously a possible first-time All-Star. I even mentioned that I think he could be top five in MVP voting. Well, he's playing like it so far this season. On Saturday night versus the Phoenix Suns, he had a perfect triple-double. 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 insists on 11 for 11 from the field. Did not miss a shot. Missed one free throw. It was 10-11 from the free throw. But 11 from 11, 11 for 11 from the field, a perfect triple-double, which is just insane. I mean, he absolutely 
uh, demolished DeAndre Ayton, the rookie. So uh, I, I thought that that, that that rarely happens a perfect game, let alone a perfect triple-double. So Nikola Jokic, shout out to him. Keep an eye on him this year because he's already looking uh, to be even better than last season. And, and, and obviously a guy Mitch and I have mentioned multiple times uh, that we think has a lot of potential to kind of reach that upper echelon. So pay attention to, to Jokic. Uh, another performance I wanted to mention was Trey Young, a guy that I'm not very high on. <laughs> I don't really like as an NBA player, but he had 35 points and 11 in, uh, assists on Sunday versus the Cavs. He's the fifth player in the last 25 years, I believe, yeah, 25 years, uh, to have 35 points and 10 assists as a rookie and the other names on this list are very good. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Allen Iverson, and Jason Kidd. So uh, whatever you do, if you find yourself in the company of those four names, you've done something very good. So shout out to Trey Young. Uh, obviously, I still think he's not going to be as great as everybody think he thinks he is, but uh, still in your second or third game, whatever it is, to, to put up a performance like that, very... Uh, very noteworthy. So, so congrats to Trey Young. Uh, the other performance I wanted to mention is a game that I actually watched. I went to B-Dubs last night with Caitlin to watch World Series Game 1. And on one of the screens was the Pistons-Sixers game. And it was, in, it was at the end of regulation. I kind of missed it. Then I look back, and it's in overtime. And so I, I kind of start paying attention to it a little bit. And uh, J.J. Reddick hits this three uh, to, to kind of get the lead back. Uh, for by two for the Sixers, uh, with like eight, seven or eight seconds left, Detroit inbounds gives it to Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin like fakes it. I think it was to like Reggie Jackson, and just he fooled me. I thought he was passing it to Reggie Jackson, but fakes this pass, fakes out everybody, and drives straight to the hole, makes the shot, gets fouled, hits the free throw. Detroit wins in overtime. But Blake Griffin had fifty points in the game. Fifty points. 14 rebounds and six assists, including that game-winning free throw that got him to 50. I just thought that was an awesome performance. One clutch in the end uh, that he obviously made the shot, but then made the free throw to win it. But 50 points, you know, uh, that I think is very noteworthy. It's his career high. He's never hit that, uh, had that many points in a game. So Blake Griffin uh, looking good already for Detroit. So yeah, those are the, uh, the three performances I wanted to highlight from this week. Yeah, great performances from all those guys, um, especially the Nikola Jokic uh, performance, I think. It's probably the one that stands out the most to me. A perfect triple-double. You don't see those. and uh, No. <laughs> they, you, you just don't see those. And um, like like you said, we both were very high on him coming into this season. So um, he's definitely living up to at least our expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's making this look good good so far, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. We look like geniuses now. Yeah. This is awesome. Though Keep it, going, Nicola. It wasn't like the hottest of takes. I mean, it, it, it's a pretty... No, sure. But still, still making this look good. So I'll take Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to wrap up the news segment for this week. I know that was kind of a long one. I mean, that was a 45-minute news segment. So thanks for hanging around with us. Guys, we have a special interview coming up here right now, actually. It's going to happen right now. We're going to meet with a special guest. So stick around for that one. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen. Holy crap, that spiked. <laughs> we have quite the duo here for this special segment we hear of on the Sports Hour. Our first guest is a repeat offender 
a Pete. <laughs> a repeat guest here on the Sports Hour. At the age of nine, this guy could grow a beard on his face and chest all at the same time. We, refi- we fondly refer to him as TP, or the Italian Stallion Tanner Pacini. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Glad to be back. The man to my right has eaten more Little Debbie's than you could ever imagine. He has also shot more ducks than you could ever imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, the man I fondly refer to as Tito, Thomas Munson. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. This is great. Thomas is by far the most like unqualified person we've ever had on the podcast. Oh, wow. by far. Yeah. Okay, that by is just, which is great. Just kind of a I, stab I, I, to me. I'm just gonna let you know, just a little bit. I didn't. I, don't, I almost didn't mean that as like a negative. It's almost like a positive. <laughs> it's like, like there's plenty of unqualified people. Like me and Dallin are definitely not right. Qualified I mean, yeah, I mean, podcast. we're not experts. I may so. not. I may not be qualified, but I can give you my opinion, and I can stick to it. I can tell and that, you that much. Oh, he will give you his unfiltered opinion. Yes. Except, okay, I will say this. I am. I. I've already been pre-warned that I'm not allowed to say the F word so I can say fork. I will okay. say fork instead. <laughs> yeah, we are saving our first F-bomb for a special It's got to be very serious. It's got to be a very it's serious It's got to be thing. very yeah. serious. This, 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 yeah, I told Thomas, you know, hey, no F-bombs here. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Tone it back. But I told him he can't say shit. I, told, so, I said it was forking like impossible for me to do it. But I'm trying to fork yeah, try he can say it. everything underneath <laughs> the F word, but, you know. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, so... The reason why we have Tanner and Thomas on the podcast today is because Amari Cooper got traded uh, to the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. So they traded Amari Cooper for a first-round pick, which uh, is, you know, honestly probably a pretty good return. And uh, John Gruden shaking the tree even more after trading Khalil Mack before the season starts. He now trades Amari Cooper, the star wide receiver. I want to ask you, Tanner, and this is why, because Mitch and I, as non-Raiders fans, can have any opinion we want on this, and we do have opinions on this. But I want to know from a Raiders fan, what do you make of this? How does it make you feel that they traded Amari Cooper? Tanner, take it away. Take the mic. Here we go. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I think it was a great trade, Uh, especially in comparison to the Khalil Mack trade. Mm. I think it's a great trade, but the problem I have with it is now we have three first-round draft picks, and if we don't get those right, that screws us for years and years and years and that's the part that terrifies me. But as a Raiders fan, a battle-worn Raiders fan, where we've made it to one playoffs in the last 15 years, I, I have no other chance but to buy in. Or no other choice but to buy in and just hope for the best. Hope that Gruden's scouting game has just gone up, has gone through the roof through, <laughs> you know, through age and being an analyst and... Um, hope that him and McKenzie can work together and really scout out uh, this upcoming class of college athletes. Um, but yeah, I it, it is a good trade um, for the Raiders. It's just all about how that first round of next year's draft goes. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that and watching it closely. And I'm probably going to do some scouting myself to see who I might want 
uh, who who would best fit the Raiders team at this moment? And I, I really, really hope they get it right because if they don't, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you kind of sound like an abused girlfriend. You're just like, <laughs> I'm I've, I've battle-tested, I'm weathered, I'm just going to stick with this because I have no other choice. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel a little bad, but I think you make a valid point in that if you're going to trade a guy you know, Pro Bowl caliber or Pro Bowl player for a first round pick, then the first round pick that you get has to be as good, if not better than that player, right? So, I mean, it, it is key that they nail this draft or like you said, it, it it sets them back for years. I think that's a great point. Well, yeah, and go and go off, uh, just to piggyback off that, like you guys said, you have to get this first round. Piggy this, tail off the back of. Uh, yeah, piggy tailing off the back of. Um, uh, and paying homage to our fantasy football expert, Jordan Fox. Um, you have to get this right. You have to get this first-round pick right. Um, and the the implications of this really is, is you're trading a number one wide receiver or a potential number one wide receiver away for for an unknown. And with that unknown being anyone, I mean, the, the first wide receiver that I see on the on the list of scouts coming into next year's draft is AJ Brown out of Ole Miss. Um, that is at best a number six pick. Uh, he's probably gone by then, unless he slips. Um, as of right now, by the way, just throwing this out that that is as of right now. Um, the next guy that you have is going to be Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo, and who's a senior wide receiver. So it's you have to nail down this pick. It has to be right, and I don't doubt John Gruden's scouting ability. I think he's a great evaluator of talent. Now, a lot of people are going to go, what the hell are you talking about? You just traded Khalil Mack and then said he couldn't find a good pass rusher. Like, of course, it, th- there was that incident with him, but, you know, it. He, they have to get this first-round pick right if they're, if they're going to make this deal. Thomas... Uh, let what what do you what did you think of this? What was your reaction to this trade? I uh, I had some mixed feelings because I was like, well, right now they kind of did kind of need Amari Cooper, even though he wasn't really producing right now. But you got to think about it. Oakland is not doing all that hot this year, and uh, it's it is smart because what they're doing is they're basically like trying to look towards their future and more in a retrospect of that way, you know. Let's start trying to go look to the future, see if we can get some something out of him. I mean, yes, can he do stuff this year? Yes, but as I said, he's not. He hadn't produced for a while. I mean, we were even talking about that earlier. I mean, yeah, we were talking how he's not really producing. He's not putting up the points. I mean, as he was in the past, especially not this year. Was he was he hurt this year? Who wasn't he? Or no, was it last no, no. year? Uh, uh, part of the year last year. He I think was. it was last year. Anyways, yeah, yeah, and. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think that it was a good trade. To be honest, I'm with Tanner on that. I mean, he's obviously the Raiders fan here. I'm the 49er fan, so it's kind of, you know, I and I just don't talk about me and my 49ers right now. Shut up. Anyways, so, <laughs> but yeah, no, I would definitely say it was a smart choice on them for sure. Yeah, you know, here is my, here's my only issue with it is, uh, obviously his numbers are down and they have in the last few seasons, but before that he was, uh, back to back thousand yard seasons. He was back to back pro bowls too. 
And I don't know if you can peg the lack of production on him solely or the offense in general. And, like, obviously Derek Carr was injured a lot of last year. That's going to hurt his production. And then you have this year where the offense has not looked good at all, and his numbers are down again. I don't know how much you can blame that on Amari Cooper or the fact that maybe he's really the only weapon they have on offense. So as a defense, when you're scheming for the Oakland offense, you're going to take away Amari Cooper and make Derek Carr throw to whoever else they, there is on that team. And I, I couldn't name another wide receiver on that team right now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it's much Amari Cooper as it is the offense in general and the fact that he's 24 years old. Calvin Ridley, the rookie, is the same age as Amari Cooper. So how you trade a guy that young with so much potential for growth and has already shown glimpses of uh, potential in two Pro Bowls, I I just, I don't like it. uh, It it just, it it, it bothers me a little bit, though I do kind of understand it. Yeah, I mean, the the Amari Cooper production has definitely been down. He's he's 22 for 280 and a touchdown so far through six games this year. Um, And, I mean, that is well under what everyone thought he would be putting up by this point in his career um this being his what his third year or his fourth year i think it's his fourth yeah his fourth year i mean he came into the league when he was 20 years old um that this is this is vastly underperforming where we thought he would be um and i mean in all honesty that this works out great for the cowboys as well because he definitely has the the ability to be a deep threat and that's and to be a, a reliable target um, he just wasn't that in Oakland. Yeah, I, I, what are you talking about? Des Bryant's gonna come back and save the Cowboys. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, here we go. Here we go. Nice. Here we go. I mean, we we it's yeah. I mean, Dak Prescott has absolutely no one through no one to throw to. He's got Cole Beasley. I mean, Cole Beasley, and then after that, I mean, he's got he's got our homeboy here from Chico, Jeff Swing. That's about it. He doesn't have really, and Michael Gallup, who has not showed up at all. Um, like people thought he was going to, so it's it, it it's a it's it's a win win for both teams. Um, it, does it look like a bad move? But I I see where John Gruden's going with this move. I see where he's going. He's he's going a very similar approach to what the 76ers did a few years ago, um, where they traded all their talent away, got a bunch of draft picks, and now they're building for the future. Uh, it, it's a trust the process type deal, and. Um, I do. I think he's rebuilding for Las Vegas. Absolutely. Do I think they're going to win much in Oakland anymore, and they're going to disappoint the fans of Oakland as they leave? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. So um, it, it's it's a it was a win-win move, and I, I as as much as people want to put the put the blame on John Gruden going forward, you can't put the blame on John Gruden. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So. As far as Gruden goes, I did not like the contract they gave him. I think it was too much. And from the start, I've said that if Gruden doesn't go deep into the playoffs within the first five years, it was a horrible, horrible contract. Um, It's a complete waste of money and time. That being said, Gruden has a plan that I hope works. I did hate the Khalil Mack trade, like I said. Um, However, the more I think about it, Gruden is trying to build a dynamo team that he handpicks. He jumped into training camp and saw pieces he didn't like, and now he's taking action to try and change the whole face of the team. So, yeah, I'm going to buy in. But the only problem I have with Gruden is, not the only problem, but (laughs) uh, Gruden knew coming into this year that it was going to be a rebuilding year. 
but he wasn't talking like it was. Uh, I just wish he communicated that to us fans before they, he traded away one of the best young, talented defensive players in the league. Um, I mean, I love the trade. I don't know I what you're talking about. I love the trade. <laughs> I was just talking to him about that. I was like, Mitch over here is the Bears fan, and he's over here just sucking it up. Loving I, it. I love the trade. <laughs> yeah, well, and I and I think that's, that's part of my gripe with Gruden as well, Tanner, is that you know, that you look at their roster, and yes, they have some young pieces, but it's also built around a lot of veterans, like a Marshawn Lynch or bringing in Doug Martin. And you have these veterans, and it's like, wait, are you trying to win now, or are you trying to tank? It doesn't seem like, as far as the roster goes, that it was very clear what they were trying to do. And then he makes the trade, the Khalil Mack trade, and then he makes the Amari Cooper, and it's like, oh, you, you are tanking, but you're still talking about like you want to win. And even players have said that. I, I know some players talked anonymously uh, to, to the media and basically said that. They're like, the Amari uh, Cooper trade blindsided us. And, and here we are at practice talking about how we need to win. And yet here we are tanking, but it's not communicated. And I, I think that's a failure on his part. Well, and I, I don't think that the initial agenda was to tank. I think that once they hit zero and four, I, I think the I think the Khalil Mack thing was was a mistake on the part of the Raiders. I do, but I don't think that the initial react or the initial plan was to tank. And I think once they hit zero and four, he realized, okay, we got to we got to start from the bottom here. And uh, I think he was also prepared to do that if, if they started off in such a way. So um, I I. I don't think that I, and that's that's probably my biggest take out of this is that I don't think that this was an initial tanking opportunity for him. I think that it, it was if we start rough, we're going to start tanking. We're going to start trading away these big pieces and moving forward. But it was not a. It was not initially. It was not planned that way. I think that was once they hit a certain mark in the season that they knew they couldn't rebound from, and zero and four is absolutely that point where you start you know doing the fire sale so it's for for me it was it was not a an instant tanking opportunity for John Gruden once he got hired right right um i want to point out a, another thing i i have been a believer in Derek Carr for a couple of years now uh mostly the first two years he was on the team um last year he was injured the whole time um i was hoping he would get back to his uh, 2016 season numbers uh, just hasn't happened. And I think that once John Gruden realizes he can't win with Derek Carr, he's going to punt him off a bridge um, <laughs> and get him out of there too. Baxter! No, Baxter! <laughs> and so, I'm in a glass case of emotions. <laughs> they better than Batman punted Baxter! Yeah, all that to say, I oh am no longer a believer in Derek Carr. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and he's not—he's not a franchise quarterback. You don't think John Gruden can coach him up? I don't know. I—I no. I, well, I hope no. that Derek Carr proves me wrong. Well, but I'll tell I, you I, what, I just there, don't know if—if <laughs> if he will. There hasn't um, been a better quarterback since Brad Johnson. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, that guy <laughs> could throw the crap out of the freaking football. I uh, there's never been—you know—he he runs Spider Two Y Banana better than anyone I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. You know, the the issue that I have is two years ago, this team was good. I mean, they were a playoff team. And yes. barring Derek Carr's injury, I mean, they're a possible AFC championship 
appearance. I mean, that team looked so good going into the playoffs yeah, before you know, Carr's injury. So, I, I, like, how could you have all this talent two years ago and all of a sudden now they're all not good enough and you got to trade them away? I, I don't have an answer for you. Only uh, I was going to say to you is I remember sitting at a bar in San Francisco when that happened and me just going, well, there's shit out of luck out there. <laughs> I was like, there goes Derek Carr. I was like, or whatever is I can't and I just laughed and I saw it and I go I feel bad for Tanner I wanted to text him and laugh and tell him good luck buddy I didn't but as the type of guy I am I fucked up and didn't say anything you're, welcome. you're a nice guy you're Thomas welcome. You're welcome. nice you're that was welcome. nice of you did you just drop an f-bomb no I didn't did I no I don't think so I didn't hear it I didn't fork and do it. I said shit. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was trying to not to. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. <laughs> too bad, but, yeah. Too bad you don't have like re- instant rewind or replay on this. Right. Thing. Yeah. We need. Can, can we get a? I'm gonna challenge. The challenge throw the challenge throw flag, the red flag on that. Flag, throw the red flag. Yeah. You want to challenge that one? Yeah. We want to review that one. Mitch and I uh, looked at each other like we heard it. So. Did you guys yeah. really? Oh, really? I, I'm pretty no. sure we heard it. I don't know. Maybe it does. So, we'll find out. This is my last time on the podcast. It was great right. being here. I'm glad I could join. First and only appearance. <laughs> um, okay, so Tanner, I have a question for you then. As a Raiders fan, Mitch and I were talking about this after uh, we, we got done recording our part of the podcast. And the Raiders right now, the, their stadium in Vegas will be done 2020. And they haven't actually decided whether or not they will play the 2019 season in Oakland. It is undecided. They have the ability to either go and play at UNLV football stadium or stay in Oakland. It seems to me, one, that they're tanking for Oakland, and I don't know how I'd feel about that as a Raiders fan, but what is like? how do you feel about this possibly being, being the last season for the Raiders in Oakland and then them just leaving without saying goodbye? Um, you know, I haven't even put much thought into it, to be honest. I... They're still going to be my team. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're leaving us. So, um, yeah, I don't like the Raiders anymore. It's, I, I've been a Raiders fan since I was born. Um, I didn't choose this life. I, I was born into it. Let's <laughs> be a Bears fan. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I don't think it's going to impact my view of them at all. Um, it's it's going to be – Interesting how it plays out in the next couple of years, um, but I, I definitely hope that uh, the new market is is a great place for them to be, and uh, the fans are, are just as good to them as the Raiders fans in Logan, Oakland are. Um, and I, I just hope that there's no. I hope people realize this isn't a knock on Oakland. Um, it's it's just the the way that N, the NFL is. I mean, you have. The Chargers moving from San Diego to L.A. You have the Rams moving from St. Louis to L.A. It's it, it just happens, and, and there have been countless other times teams have moved. I mean, Saint, or the Rams have moved back and forth, right? And so it's like they, they have they still have fans back there, and they, they it, it's not going to impact me in any way. And I think most of uh, my friends who are Raiders fans, my family who are Raiders fans, I I think we're all going to uh, stick with them and 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 just cheer them on from just a little bit further distance. So, I mean, it, we'll still get their games on Sundays without NFL Game Pass and, and stuff, but so I'm not too worried about it. That was a very diplomatic answer. I love it. 
I was I was hoping you'd just be like, I am so mad and upset. No, but I, I mean, I get it. And, and like, I, you know, I'd have to say, like, as a Panthers fan, if they happen to, like, move away, it would break my heart, but I would stick with them because it's what you do as a fan. It's, it's just kind of, I guess, it is what it is. You want to know how much a fan their family is? I don't know, maybe on February 3rd, 2013, when the Niners were into the Super Bowl with the Ravens and they lost, his mother decided to come in after the loss, and I'm just in there not happy. She comes in with a purple blanket and puts it around me. She goes, oh, it's okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. I was like, thanks, Ramey. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. Well, lots of interesting f- stuff for the Raiders. There's still, what, like six days in the trade deadline? Do you think, like, like, what are the odds in your eyes that they actually trade, like, Derek Carr? Like, do you think that's a possibility? I, I I don't I don't think so. I don't think right now. I don't think so. Uh, I I think this is a guy that John Gruden really likes, and I think that it's it's a guy that he's going to build around. Um, I've heard rumors about Jacksonville, possibly looking into it, but I I can neither confirm nor deny those rumors. Um, it it's just a it's a it's a sticky situation over there in Oakland, but I I don't think that they. They really look in to a to a Derek Carr trade right now. I think that if you have anything that you're going to build around, it, it's that guy. And you know what a better piece to build around than a quarterback. Um, obviously, a productive when he's given the right weapons and when he's uh, given the opportunity to throw the football. So uh, I I don't see that happening. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know. Uh, he he looks really scared. He he doesn't look. Manning or Mariota scared, but he looks scared. And when you're when you play scared, <laughs> Mariota scared. He mean get sacked. I don't know how many times. Eleven times. <laughs> yeah. Eleven, uh, eleven times. <laughs> but when you play scared, you're gonna make mistakes, and we've seen that this year. I honestly hope he he pulls out of that, and I, I think he he can. He has the willpower. He's he's a fighter. Um, we we've seen that in and we saw that in 2016 uh, where they won a lot of their games like within one possession. Um, and I, I, like, I, I like him. I really like the dude. I, I liked him in 2016, uh, 2017 was unfortunate, but I, I just hoping he can get back to, to playing, uh, as well as he did and, and not playing scared like he did back in 2016. Um, he, he, he's just does not look good at all this year. Um, and I, that has obviously had an impact on Amari Cooper and, um, why they may have traded him. A reason why they may have traded him. Yeah, yeah. This this might be. Is, is he? He's from near Oakland, isn't he? Fresno. He's Fresno. Fresno. So, but he was an Oakland fan growing up and everything, wasn't he, or something like that? Because remember, he has like he has so much love for the team too, and everything like that. And I understand why he puts so much heart into the team and everything because he loves that team, he loves everything about it. But it's like, and he plays hard too, especially because he's plays he played hurt a lot. I remember that. But it's like. I mean, at one point when the, I you have enough heart, but when you start playing like you were saying, the way you're playing, uh, you gotta kind of look the second what, second time at them and be like, should we just cut our losses? That's kind of what I almost thought at one point because it's like you can build around him for a while, but if he's gonna keep on, kind of basically being kind of scared about it, not, you just gotta you gotta look towards the future at that point too because I mean, can you build around him? If he's going to play like that all the time from now on? I think if if he doesn't pull his head out of his ass and start playing like we know he can, we know he can play exactly. uh, as a great quarterback, 
Um, Come out of the funkies. I, I, if he doesn't, then I think he's traded within the uh, by next trade li- trade deadline uh, next year. So uh, we'll see. We will see if he if he can figure things out. I think it's all in his head. Um, he's very mental quarterback. Uh, he he lets things bother him, and then usually he's he's good at flushing it and and moving on. But it just hasn't been the case this year. And so, Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this is a guy that's it's very capable of being a, a an NFL ready quarterback. Um, we we've seen it when he has the protection. Um, like like we talked about a couple uh, just a few minutes ago. You know. He had a top tier, maybe a top five offensive line in the NFL just a few years ago when they were making that playoff run. Unfortunately, he broke his tibia, and Connor Cook had to take over that playoff game against the Texans when when they got routed. So it was a, an unfortunate situation for him. Um, but as far as there's no denying his talent, and there's no denying his love for his team. He just came out this week um, after his after his teammates. They said that the relationship with him was fractured um, because he was crying after he took a hit. Well, he, he wasn't crying after he took a hit. It, it was uh, he was he, you know he's emotional. He he football's an emotional game, and um, it, it gets it gets to you sometimes. And this is a guy that that really loves playing in Oakland. He loves playing for this organization. I think he's going to love playing for them even if when they go to Las Vegas. And that you just he, he is so I he's one of those guys that coming out of the draft, I thought he was really pro ready. He he's ready to handle the pro spotlight and I think he still is that kind that kind of guy. Um I just I would not I I hate putting the I hate putting the hate on him, but you know he's to me he's got to step up a little bit more, even even you know as well as he's played so far this year. Yeah, um, Tanner, I have I have a trade scenario for you. Okay, you're the GM of the Oakland Raiders. Would you oh, take no. a trade? <laughs> where, well, yes. Um, first off, I'm sorry that that's your job. Uh, but second off. Uh, I'm going to trade you. I want Derek Carr and I'm going to give you Blake Bortles in a first round pick. I don't want Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> Even for the first round sweetener. Oh, you I get your first round pick. Nope. But I, I, you got to take Blake Bortles back. So what you take the first round and leave Blake Bortles behind in Jacksonville? Absolutely. <laughs> he, he just he just he just misses the flight like 10 times until like, he catches the hint. Bortles. He's like, okay. I'm, I'm just taking the I'm just taking the first round. No, you guys don't have to give me that much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I you know we appreciate you guys coming on to talk about the Raiders with us today. Uh, and, and like I said, there's still a week left in the trade deadline, so who knows what other moves? Uh, I know I know Gr- Gruden in, in his typical fashion basically said, "Oh, we're not going to trade anyone," but you never know. And it's like, all right, so okay, that was a non-answer. So who knows at this point uh, what else will happen? Uh, but we will uh, we will stay tuned. And if they trade Derek Carr, well, then we'll have to get you guys back on here to talk about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, you may, may you should get uh, the brain Brecken on here. I think he, he yes, would, he would have some things to say about that. We got sure. yeah. we got to get the brain on here. <laughs> all I, well, now I'm all I now I'm praying is, for a Derek Carr trade. All I can say is, is the trade for Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars screwed my fantasy. <laughs> I need TJ Yeldon. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry to hear that, Thomas. You know, we, 
it's hashtag uh, team Vodkrantz for life. Oh, shut Vod- up. Vodkrantz. <laughs> no, no. You shut your mouth. Not Vodkrantz for life. I do not like them. You back <laughs> off on that subject. Tom, you're I the only it. guy that I can set the I can set the volume at 100 here recording, and it picks you up just fine. You're damn right it from, will. You know, from, from 25 feet away. You know, I'm really worried because right now I'm not looking too hot in our redraft league, and I know I'm going to get punished for being last, and I'm like, I don't want to be Thomas. Uh, oh, what like, are you I, 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 I don't want to be Thomas. Hey, now. Hey, I'm, I'm yeah, okay, so so you remember that Jimmy Garoppolo poster we talked about hanging up? <laughs> oh my gosh, don't talk. Oh my god. Yes. Guess what's in his bathroom right now? <laughs> the Jimmy okay. Garoppolo poster! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That is amazing. Okay. Thomas, you're yes. the best. Behind you're the my best. door in my bathroom, you close my door, and all of a sudden, Jimmy GQ is right there, just an excellent man. He like I said, he, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. he pisses excellence. Okay, just right there. That's all I got to <laughs> he, say. He's the most handsome man in the NFL. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would. I would love to take a poop and stare at Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I, sure. mean, I would take. Yeah. I would take him on a date, a candlelit dinner, while I'm on the shitter. You know. And 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 it, I would love to dine and wine and dine with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's how I start my day, and it's how I end it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks again uh, for coming on the podcast. Today, guys, it, Italian, it, it, Italian. Was, it was it was it was a pleasure. Italian Stallion Tito, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. That was our conversation with the Italian Stallion Tanner Pacini and Thomas Tito Munson here on the Sports Hour. Guys, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna recap Week Seven football and get into our quick picks. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Thank you, guys, for listening to the Sports Hour today. Be sure. If you haven't already, to follow our socials, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at The Sports Hour Guys, and you can like our Facebook page. Be sure to follow those socials, interact with us. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Let's uh, let's recap some NFL. NFL Week 7. Um, a lot of good games this week. Uh, s- some games that... Um, not not a whole lot of implications so far, as far as games goes, but uh, some, some games that stood out to us we're going we're gonna to cover here. Um, I, I'd like to start off with uh, Panthers-Eagles down. Let's start off with your Panthers and Eagles game. Yes. Or your Panthers playing the Eagles. Um, a very intriguing game, obviously... The Panthers coming back from a 17-0 deficit to win 21-17. As the Panthers fan on the podcast, Alan, walk us through the torture you were put through for the first three quarters. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, for those who don't know, the, uh, the Panthers have a nickname. A nickname that they've had for quite a while. And I think it's a very fitting nickname. Uh, the fan base likes to nickname the Panthers the Cardiac Cats because it's so fitting. stressful to watch them play <laughs> that it, it, it might put you in cardiac arrest. And I felt this way uh, exactly like this on Sunday. Now, I actually got to watch this game. It is very rare for me to be able to watch my Panthers play on TV in Utah. And because it's the Eagles and Fox, and Fox puts any NFC East team on TV, 
we happen to be able to be to be on TV. And I thought, great, I get to watch my team. This will be fun. And it was the ugliest game I've ever seen in the first half. Cam Newton had a total of like 42 yards in the first half. And they, they were just they, they just looked awful. They couldn't get anything right. They had two chances at field goals and then penalties pushed them out of field goal range. It was just an ugly game. And Carson Wentz and the offense was dealing. They were moving the ball. The defense was playing well enough to not give up a lot of points, but but the Eagles offense was getting a ton of yards. So fast forward to the third quarter, fourth quarter, I mean. It's 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. And once the once the turn, I I I, I remember Third quarter ends, I go to the kitchen to grab a drink, and in my head I'm like, eh, Panthers are going to lose. I, I don't even know if I want to watch the rest of the game. But I stuck around because I don't get to watch my team very often, and they pulled off the biggest uh, comeback in their franchise history of 17 points, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, it was like the ball was moving. Like, it didn't move the whole freaking game. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, we could do anything we want. And Cam Newton let him down for three touchdowns, and they they won the game. And it was I, the fourth down throw. They, they, they're they down, I think, at this point, it was 14-17. So uh, it's like fourth down, and they're they're back at their, like, 30. So they, they, they need this. They're going for it. And Cam escapes the pocket, makes this, like, leaping throw to convert the fourth down, and then they were just rolling after that. They got that touchdown to Greg Olson at the goal line, and the defense held up, and that was the end of the game. And it was truly spectacular, stressful, it hurt a lot. I felt a lot of pain on Sunday, but I also felt a lot of joy, and that's why I'm wearing my Panthers jersey as we record this. I've worn my Panthers jersey basically every day this week to (laughs) to celebrate. (laughs) this win uh and they beat the eagles so hey we beat the defending champs so a great win overall but man was that stressful oh yeah Uh, i we'll we'll get to my bears here in a minute but i can understand the stressful part of it uh, that you were (laughs) feeling um yeah like you said the the eagles started off pretty great uh that they were moving the ball carson wentz played extremely well 30 for 37 310 and two and two touchdowns um didn't run the ball exceptionally well. Wendell Smallwood was their leading carrier at 9 for 32, 3.6 a carry. <coughs> Holy smokes, I'm choking. <coughs> Don't die, oh, bitch. Boy. I'm not going to die. I can't do this um, myself. And, and, and some good performances from the receivers, a couple in particular. Zach Ertz, 9 for 38, uh, 15.5 yards reception. Uh, he was definitely one of Carson Wentz's big targets and Alshon Jeffrey. Um, 12 and a half yards of reception at seven for 88 and a touchdown. Um, it, you know, the, the, the Eagles played well, I think against a very tough Panthers defense. Um, it, but the booty scooting Cam Newton put it all together and, uh, and let a, let a comeback in the fourth quarter, putting up 21 unanswered. He was 25 for 39, 269 and two. Um, didn't run the ball very well. This is the one gripe I have with this game is that they did not give Christian McCaffrey the ball enough. No, not um, at all. Not at all. He was seven for 29, 4.1 a carry, which is not bad. 4.1 yeah, a carry is not a bad good. average. Yeah. Uh, that's typically what the, the, the floor of where you'd like to see your running back carrying. You know, 3.8 to 4 is usually where you'd like to see it. Um, you know, but then he was six for fifty-one at eight and a half, eight and a half a reception. And you usually like to give your star offensive player, other than the quarterback. Obviously, Cam Newton's the star of that offense because name value 
and his ability to throw the ball and run the ball. Um, but Christian McCaffrey is the other guy. And giving him the only 13 touches in that game, I think, is what really hurt them overall. Yeah. Um, you've seen what they've been able to do when he has 10 receptions a game. Now, I'm not saying that that's a sustainable pace because, obviously, 10 receptions is not sustainable, 10 receptions a game, except if your name is Adam Thielen. Right. Then 10 right. receptions a game is sustainable. But <laughs> uh, I think that was their big downfall here was that Christian McCaffrey just did not have the ball in his hands enough. Um, and Now, down the stretch, did it work out? Yeah, it was great. Cam, Cam Newton put on a great comeback performance and, and used everything right. Uh, Jarius Wright had a big... Had a big game there late at one for 34, um, had the 34-yard um, rush. Uh, but it was uh, – there's some guys that I want to see them get involved more. I want to see them get DJ Moore involved more. I want to see them get Curtis Samuel involved more. Um, because I think if once you get those guys around Devis Funches, Devin Funches and Christian McCaffrey, you get those guys going – um, with the addition of the speed of Jarius Wright, it, this could be a really potent offense. They're yeah. just not schemed correctly for me right now. They're not quite there. And before the season, Norv Turner said he wanted to give McCaffrey 20 touches a game. And they right. really haven't been able to do that. I mean, they've done it like a handful of times, but in six games, they haven't done it enough. And like you said, you know, 13 touches for Christian McCaffrey, that's not close to enough. Uh, and mainly on the rushing side, he needs to rush the ball more than seven times. I mean, they only ran the ball 17 times as a team, seven of those with McCaffrey and seven of those with Cam. And that's not enough. You got to run the ball at least 20 times a game. If you're the Panthers, that's your, that is your game plan. And a lot of it was the fact that they went down early, uh, and weren't able to sustain offensive drives to begin with, but also were down multiple scores early on in the game. But sure. still, I think you've got to be patient and you've got to get that run game going. Luckily, Cam was able to pull this out of his butt and win this game. So, I, you know, like a win is great, but I think there's still gripes to be had. And that's what I have a, a problem with uh, this Panthers team is at times we look really good and we're able to pull off games like this. We're able to hit 65-yard field goals to... To, to beat the Giants, you know, at, at the at the buzzer, at the buzzer, at, as time expires. But there are games that we just don't look good. You know, we get we get blown out by the Redskins last week, get dominated by them. Uh, we lost a close one to that Atlanta, so I guess the Redskins is only the really bad loss, but they haven't had a lot of good wins. And, and you'd like to see your team beat some teams and not have to stress about it. But that's just what the Panthers do. They're the, they're the cardiac cats for a reason. Well, it, it, and you've said this multiple times throughout the podcast, that the Panthers win ugly. Absolutely. They, they don't win pretty. They win ugly. And um, But there are things that go hand-in-hand in, hand in football. When you have a great defense that can force even good offenses three and out, you have to be able to run the football there because you have to be able to control the clock to keep your defense off the field to rest them. So it, – when you're not running when you have a great defense like Carolina does and you're not able to run the football to control the clock to keep your defense off the field they're going to get worn down and it that's something that they really have to improve upon i think going forward is find a way to get Christian McCaffrey the football it in a productive way whether it's a screen pass i mean screen passes might as well be touches i mean they might as well be handoff touches right, because right right it counts as a reception in the scorebook, but it might as well be running the football. Um, you have to figure out a way to get him 
more involved and, and chew up that clock a little bit more because your defense eventually is going to wear down. And so I think that Carolina's got to find a way to get done. They get it done this week, but they have to find a way to be a little bit more efficient offensively. Absolutely. chew up a little bit more clock. Because games like this don't – you can't win – Eight of your eight close games. I mean, you're going to lose some of these, and that ratio right. isn't isn't sustainable. So you've got to be I able to like dominate some teams when you when you need to, when you can, you know. Yeah, especially in those close games. I mean, if in close games, I think you're lucky if you go five and three of those eight close yeah, games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because they could either they could swing either way. So right, you know, it's, right. It's very. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to figure some stuff out, but you know they'll get it figured out. That Ron Rivera is a great coach. Obviously, Norv Turner is a great offensive mind, um, and I think they'll figure it out down the stretch. But it's uh, sooner rather than later. I think would be great for Carolina. <laughs> sooner rather than later would be great for me. Honestly, <laughs> I'm tired like, of having cardiac arrest. For yeah, those guys. I mean, and, and I don't want to talk too much about him, so we'll move on. But I, I, you just see how well they should be playing. And you look at the defense, you look at the tools on offense, and you think this team should, I mean, four and two is a good record, but they should be, a, they should look better at four and two. And they just don't look as good as they should with the four wins that they have. So, right. Um, all right. So let's move on to your Bears. Uh, team yeah. who suffered a uh, they I, I want to give they played a great game against New England suffered a a heartbreaking loss at home but I think this was a good performance for Chicago just that they were able to compete with New England which is the class of the a- AFC uh, for the whole game yeah uh, really when you look at it they forced two turnovers didn't convert in any points on those turnovers I don't think. Um, and that really could have been the difference there of them beating New England. Um, I think they had two fumble recoveries. If they had converted those turnovers into points, they probably beat New England here. Um, and like I said, you give Tom Brady opportunity, he will beat you. Um, and if you take opportunity away from him and you're not able to capitalize it on capitalize on it, you're just squandering that. And so um, a very winnable game, I think, for Chicago. I think it was a very winnable game, especially at home. Um that final Hail Mary play just broke my heart. I was watching it, was it live. Rough. It was rough. Uh, they needed 54 yards on the Hail Mary, and they got 53. Uh, it was just... And what blew my mind here, I'm going to rant for a second. <laughs> Trubisky overthrows 20 guys throughout the entire game, overthrows them by 10 yards. The one time, the one time he needs to throw the shit out of the ball and maybe overthrow someone a little bit to give himself a chance, he underthrows it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to me? Pull your head out of your ass, Mitch. It's unbelievable. I. It's just... It, it was really frustrating. He, he didn't have a good start either. I mean, he was, he was awful to start the game. I think he was like 5 for 15 or whatever it was to start the game. He wound up 26 for 50. 333, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, Jordan Howard didn't run the ball great. Tariq Cohen didn't run the ball great. Uh... Tree Cohen again, a, a a passing threat. He was eight for sixty nine, eight point six carry, or a, a reception. And Trey Burton having a great game, nine for one twenty six, fourteen yards of reception and a touchdown. Uh, it's just, I've, I thought this was such a winnable game for them. And um, I think again, we're just seeing the immaturity of our young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, and it. He's gonna he's gonna learn. I think he's gonna be better than what people think he's gonna be um, when it's all said and done. He's just it was a it was an immaturity moment for him. 
in this game. Yeah, when you look, I mean, he's 26 for 50, threw the ball a lot, but was completely inaccurate. Uh, you know, he completed barely over 50% of his passes, which is obviously not good. Uh, not going to get it done. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to get it done. And, I, you know, it's it's the turnovers. They actually won the turnover ratio somehow. Uh, New England turned it over three times. Trubisky, I mean, Trubisky and the Bears only turned it over twice. But, you know, when you when you can complete only barely over 50% of your passes and you're throwing two picks a game, it's just, it's not the, not the, not the recipe to win. Um, and I think you make a good point that this was a winnable game for the Bears. I still think it's a good performance because they, they you know, had a lead, uh, lost it, tried to come back, you know, gave a valiant effort. Uh, the defense was able to, you know, force turnovers out of, uh, out of New England. But you look at a few plays, you look at the Calvin Noy, uh, what was it, interception? The Calvin Noy interception with the the big return. And then you have Cordell Patterson returning a kick for a touchdown. I mean, defensive special teams, that's that's the difference right there. You know, those two plays are huge. If you don't have those, that can flip the entire game. Uh, Well, and and Calvin Noy was all over the field, too. He was probably defensive player of the game for that. He was was all over the field that whole game, but... Yeah, and um, I, I think you just look at those little things, you know, a kick return for a touchdown, you know, big turnovers, you know, that can that can change the field. I, I, it's just those kind of things, and that's what the Patriots do. That's what makes them so good and sustainable in the in their uh, in their wins. You know, the fact that they'll win so much, uh, they just do those kind of things. And and the Bears didn't do those kind of things, despite the fact that they were able to force turnovers. And it's just a young team still. But I, I, like I said, I, I don't think it's a bad loss. I think they, they showed a lot of good. They showed they could uh, hang with a team like this. And they're not at the point that they could beat a team like this. And I don't think either of us thought they were, per se. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's some things to be happy about. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think they... I think they might be there where they could be the team like this um, because, like I said, with the two turnovers, they, they could have easily turned those into points, and if they turn those into at least a touchdown and a field goal, they're beating the Patriots. Right. And so that you could, if you could compete with an elite team like that with the New England Patriots, it definitely is is a is a good sign going forward. And uh, th- yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Not a bad loss. Uh, but as a Bears fan, I am a little bit sour about it. Of course, I, of course, because you want to win, and you had the chance to yeah, win, yeah, and that's course. and that's yeah. what's hard when you when you're a fan, and you know that like a few little things here and there, uh, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you you win that game, and, it, and it's frustrating for the players, and it's frustrating for the fans because you know you have the potential. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're a fan of them, you're not that frustrated that you lost to Denver by 35 points because you were never going to win that game. So like, right. you're just like, all right, yeah, okay. But when you can win them and you don't, that's frustrating as a fan. Oh yeah, no, it, it is. Um, I am happy with three and three right now. That's a hell of a lot better than what we've been in the last few years. So I'm okay with that. We're showing signs of improvement. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still pretty. I'm still pretty high on the Bears. I you know still have a lot of hope for the rest of their season. Uh, let's talk about a fan base. Speaking of frustrated fan bases, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston yeah. Texans. Uh, yeah. The swamps of Jacksonville were not enough this week, Mitch. Uh, the Houston- swamps have been drained. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Trump went down there. He drained those swamps, and Jacksonville's not looked the same. Uh, no, Houston lost – or, sorry, Houston won this game 20-7. to uh, The biggest takeaway from this game is Blake Bortles was benched in the third quarter, and Cody yeah. Kessler came in 
and played decent. 21 of 30, 156 yards, had the only touchdown of the game for for Jacksonville, did throw a pick. But, uh, I mean, Marone has come out since, uh, and this weekend said that Bortles is the starter for Sunday in London uh, against Philly and, and will most likely be the starter you know, through here on out, but uh, this has not looked good. They this is a team that was three and one, and they've lost three straight games. Mitch, yeah, this uh, this is starting to get concerning about for for Jacksonville. Um, this is uh, how many weeks in a row is this of thirteen or less points put up by this team? I mean, now we we knew they weren't going to be a prolific scoring team, um, but they've had some games where they've given up a mass amount of points and not scored more than 10. And so it's, it's starting to get really concerning for them. I will come to Blake Bortles defense. Just a, just a smidgen, just a smidgen. Um, he didn't throw a pick. He was 50% on his passes. <laughs> he threw six, for 60 yards, six for 12 though. That's 10. That's 10 a completion. So, um, it, you know, it was it, I think it was more of a change of pace thing. I think that Doug Brown was tired of losing and that he just wanted to try something different here. No, I think you have so, to bench Bortles. I mean, you have to sure, do it. Sure, sure. No, that's a, no, and I'm sure that's yeah. what I'm saying. And that's what I'm getting at is he's the leader of your offense. You have to bench him to give yourself, you know, try something different here. Yeah. You're and, not going to. And I think make a point too, back. you know. What are you going to run, Jamal Charles? It's a washed up has been. You're not going to run Jamal Charles. You're kind of stuck with TJ Yeldon, who, by the way, was only 12 for 28, 2.3 a carry. An awful performance from TJ Yeldon. But Cody Kessler comes in. I mean, he's 21 for 30. Okay, that's that's whatever. But 156, 1-1. One and, one. and it, it, just this offense is so anemic. I, I think the scheming comes down to this also. And, and the scheming is bad this because they don't have a run game. Obviously, they just traded for Carlos Hyde, which is something we haven't mentioned yet. They they did trade for Carlos Hyde. Everyone has probably heard that by this point. Um, but he obviously he's not ready to play in that offense yet. He's he's what four days removed from San Fran- or Cleveland. Yeah, it, and well, coming into Jacksonville, we'll probably and see him this week. Now, you know, we'll probably uh, see him this week yeah. in a limited workload. I would imagine, right? Because uh, obviously they believe enough in TJ Yeldon that they're going to keep using him. So uh, it's, it, I'm really worried. I'm really worried about Jacksonville, man. I, yeah, I'll tell you, I'm just there's not a whole lot of faith right now on for me about. Uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, so. I'm I'm very worried. Here's what I'll say. I mean, I I don't think you can blame Bortles outright, right? I mean, it, it's not all his fault. It can never be one individual player's fault, a hundred percent. But I I think as far as the coaching goes and what they're doing, I think they're doing a huge disservice to themselves because they are making every team not afraid at all of Jacksonville and Blake Bortles specifically. Like he might not be this bad of a quarterback truly, but they're making him look like he's God awful. They are making him look like the worst quarterback in the league. And yeah. that is the worst thing you could do. Cause now every team that goes to play Jacksonville has no fear of that offense. They know they can't run the ball, but now they are like Bortles sucks. He was benched in the third quarter. He can't throw 
He can't he can't complete a pass. He can't move the offense at all. Why would you be scared of Jacksonville at all? I mean, you know what their defense could do, but you say, hey, all we got to do is score two touchdowns. They can't get past 13 points. So we score two touchdowns, we win a game. I mean, it, it is it is remarkable. I don't know, Mitch, how they fix this. Is this fixable? I don't know how you fix this. It, uh, I'm going to stick by my guns. It is fixable when Leonard Fournette comes back. It's it's fixable when they get a run game. I just don't see because how much like how how much can he flip this script because they've dug themselves into a huge hole. And Leonard Fournette is a great running back, and he's definitely going to make this offense a lot better. But like, how much can he really change this? I'll tell you why. It's because people aren't worried about T.J. Yeldon. People aren't worried about T.J. Yeldon. People are mildly worried about Carlos Hyde. When they come to play him. Yeah. It's a good running back. They're mildly concerned about playing Carlos Hyde. People are concerned when they played Leonard Fournette. They are concerned when they're playing against him. Because they know what he's capable of doing. And when they're that focused on one guy. Especially in the run game. Which the run game will set the tone for the entire offense. If they are that concerned about one guy. That opens up the possibility for the, running, the, for the quarterback to throw the ball. And... Blake Bortles, like I've said over and over and over again, thrives in that type of system when he is limited on his pass attempts because they are so worried about the running back and the running back produces. And so I, I'm gonna, I'm sticking by that. That when Leonard Fournette comes back, they're going to be worried about Leonard Fournette because they know what he's capable of doing. And then that's when Blake Bortles has a heyday. I I just think that at this point. I think Bortles can't do anything against me, and I have a hundred percent confidence that I can stop. It. Sure, whether, he can't whether, right now. Whether, he whether right four because Nets he on the field or not, I still think that until he proves otherwise. Because without him, he's looked awful. So I, I'm no, still not no, scared. Th- yeah, without him, he, without him, he's looked awful. That's what I said. Yeah, without but him, with- he's looked awful. So when Fournette comes back, it's not all of a sudden I'm going to be f- afraid of Blake Bortles again. I'm still feeling the same way that I feel now. Until because he proves he to me that he could do something, but I, I, like, if I'm a defensive player, if I'm a cornerback, I'm like, I'm not scared of Bortles. Why would sure. I be? Even if he has Fournette no. on the field, exactly. No one was afraid of Bortles beforehand. No one. Everyone was focused on Leonard Fournette. That's where Bortles thrives. Maybe, perhaps. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't feel confident in Fournette as like the cure all for this. I, I still think. I don't know what it is. And obviously, Fournette's going to improve the situation drastically. Uh, yeah, and he's, and he's coming I, I just, off what, missing know. six weeks or whatever. He's coming yeah. off missing six weeks when he comes back or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, that may be the case. But I'm telling you, in the past, that's what it's been. Absolutely. And so when he comes back, that may be the situation. Now, I don't know if that's going to be exactly the situation because he's missed six weeks now with a hamstring issue. And like we've talked about, hamstrings are very hard to get rid of. Right. But that don't be surprised if Bortles improves when Fournette comes back because now they have a, a legitimate rushing attack. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to hope that happens. Especially too. with Fournette I mean. <laughs> adding Hyde behind him. I mean, now Yeldon's your third string, and that's not a bad third string. Yeah, Yeldon's not a, a great second a string, catcher. but he's probably a good third string. He's a good pass catcher at the back sure. field. This yeah. guy you want to be able to throw in on third down. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm worried. I'm worried. I mean, it's a team that lost three in a row, and they're opening the door for a team like the Texans, who 
in, a, in, a, in a podcast about a month ago, I, when they went 0-3, I, I said to everybody, don't worry about the Texans. They'll be all right. And they have won four straight games since, well, including beating Jacksonville and now leading outright the AFC South. That, that, that's probably the worst four-game winning streak I've ever seen, though. Hey, I, wins I, are wins, Mitch, especially when everybody else in the division is losing. Tex, both the Titans and the Jaguars have lost three straight games. Okay, and but the Texans wh- who are their wins against? We, we won't get in too far into this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting off in the weeds. It's all good. We won't get too all far I'm saying this. is wins are wins. You've won four straight. Your rivals in your division have each lost three straight, and now you lead the division. So I, I, I don't know. They just beat the Jaguars. The Houston beat the uh, Titans, I believe, a few, at least, uh, I think a few weeks ago. So I, I don't know. I, I, this is an interesting division, and I'm worried about the Jaguars, is all I'm saying. Because right now, I would take Houston or Tennessee uh, over them for sure. Okay. All right. To each uh, their own. So. All right. Uh, the last game we want to talk about is New Orleans and Baltimore, which was an interesting matchup. Obviously we had, I think this was a matchup. Uh, well, it was top, a top five defense in Baltimore versus a top five offense in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, New Orleans pulls off this victory 24 to 23. It was a really, really close game. And I, I, I think the result is probably good for both teams. I would say, even, even though Baltimore lost, what do you think, Mitch? Yeah, I think a more so a good loss for the Baltimore Ravens because honestly, after this year, so far through this season, um, I I don't know what the NFL is all about anymore. Uh, I thought I knew, <laughs> I thought I knew who was going to be good and who was going to be bad, and then all of a sudden I don't. Um, and Baltimore just competed with New Orleans and lost by one. And this was a team that I had winning four games throughout the entire year. And they're already at four wins. So yes. it, it, I, this is the, one of the most confusing seasons I can remember as, as far as um, the NFL goes. Uh, Joe Flacco played well. 23 for 39, 279, and 2. Um, I, wanted, I want you to take a guess down at how many players for, for Baltimore had a rushing attempt. Oh, I, I just looked at list, but I'm not gonna. I, I I was looking at it while you said it. It was a yeah, lot. Yeah. It was a lot. I'm it, not gonna count. It but. was eight guys. Eight guys had a rushing attempt. Alex Collins, Willie Sneed, Lamar Jackson, Chris Moore, <coughs> Joe Flacco, Buck Allen, Max Williams, and Gus Edwards all had rushing attempts. Mitch, I'm pretty sure you made up half of those names. Those aren't I, I actual would've... NFL players. <laughs> Those are actual Chris Moore, Max Williams, and Gus Edwards are actually NFL players. I, you can't make this shit up. Man. They uh, did they just pull they them act- out of the stands? They're like, hey, you, you've got a Ray Lewis jersey on. Come, come run. Come, come, come over here. Hey, you you, you, you want a rushing here. attempt? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, they had a lot of. They had a lot of rushing attempts um, from eight different guys. So. Um, Obviously, this is a good sign for the Baltimore defense that they held a very prolific Saints offense to 24. Um, and then that they're putting 23 up, I mean, against a good Saints a good Saints team. Not a great Saints defense that obviously just got better by adding Eli Apple. Right. Um, but, of course, this is before Eli Apple. You know what? It's, 
it was a good loss for Baltimore. I, I, there's one statistic for the Saints that stood out for me. Uh, Alvin Kamara touched the ball 17 times on the ground, uh, wow. which I don't think we've seen a whole lot of. No, uh, not at all. He's been primarily a pass-catching guy, and he touches the ball fewer than 15 times. He touches yeah. the ball 17 times on the ground today. He only With had two receptions, touchdown. and he only had two receptions on two targets. So they right. basically didn't use him at all in the passing game, really. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you know, I Baltimore's defense is probably the best defense in the league right now. I the Carolina plays them this week at home, and I've seen some stats uh, just in like the the amount of yards they have allowed, the the amount of points they they are legit the number one defense in the league right now. Uh, and you know, twenty four points is not a great defensive showing, but against the Saints offense is a very good showing. And, you know, the Ravens offense looked pretty good, at least in the passing offense. Despite those eight rushers, they only rushed for 77 yards. So really couldn't run the ball yeah. that much, you know. And, and, and obviously you, you got to have both. Uh, and I, the Saints definitely had a, a more balanced attack. Uh, and, and the Saints are probably a better team. But Baltimore is a sneaky team. I, I, would, I would keep an eye on them. And like you said, we both whiffed on that one. I had them winning three games, so I already, I'm, yeah. I'm already out. Like, <laughs> I already, I already goofed that one. Um, but that, like, when you have a defense that's that good, you're gonna win games. It's just gonna, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, you're gonna win games, and so. You know, be be afraid of this Baltimore team. I, I think they have the potential to re- if they could get the running game going more with Alex Collins and Buck Allen, they they have a legit shot to be one of the best teams in the AFC. Oh yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um, purely based on their defense, though, I'm still not a believer in their offense. Uh, Joe Flacco um, has been one of the most one of the best quarterbacks this year. Like legitimately, you look at his stats, his accuracy. Uh, well, he has yards. this thing. He, he's been great. He's been absolutely he, great. He has this thing where he throws the ball downfield. He is one of the artists, I think, up there with Aaron Rodgers of drawing pass interference calls. He like will see a pass interference coming and throw the ball that direction and just get free yardage. And I think he's super good at that. And so we've seen that a lot out of Joe Flacco this year. Um, probably one of the surprise players of the year um, that has really stuck out to me is John Brown. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Let's talk about him. This this week, seven for one thirty four and one touchdown, nineteen yards a reception. I mean, this guy is really outperformed what anyone thought he could do. I think, and this was a correct me if I'm wrong. The this was the guy that came off of having a you know, he's been dealing with sickle cell anemia his entire life. I, I'm um, not. I'm not sure on that. I'm not the source. Oh, okay. All I know um, about him is that he did play for the Cardinals. He he came from Arizona. Yeah, I mean through through seven games, he is, uh, or I guess six or yeah, seven games. Sorry, uh, he has 28 receptions for 558. He's averaging 20 yards a reception on 28 receptions, which means he is he's definitely becoming an incredible deep threat for him. Four touchdowns, uh, his longest 71. Uh, so he's on pace for a 1,000-yard reception season uh, for for 1,000 receiving yards. So uh, John Brown, good on yeah. him. Uh, I, and, a, and a great performance this week. 
Yeah, and he's he's really establishing himself as a as, as a, a number one wide receiver there, which is something that Baltimore has struggled with for the longest time of having a legit number one. And they've brought in so many names and free agents to try to fill that role. And it seems like one's finally sticking. It, it, Willie Sneed as well has also played really well this season. He's he's been pretty reliable for them. But I mean, yeah, John Brown has really kind of taken that on and uh, really, you know, embraced that number one role and he's played like it. And and I think Flacco has looked good because of that, because he actually has a great receiver, you know? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah. So before we get into quick picks, Mitch, you wanted to talk about the Los Angeles Rams, who are 7-0, dominating everybody. They look fantastic. Uh, we've talked about the potential of them going sixteen to zero already on this podcast. Mitch, what did you want to what did you want to share with the people today? I I just want to share the remaining schedule for the Rams, um, and this is following Week Seven. So now we're in Week Eight. Uh, this week they're going to be at home against the Packers. Then they're on the road against the Saints, at home against Seattle, on the road against the Chiefs. They have a week 12 bye. Then they're on the road against Detroit, on the road against the Bears. Then they are at home against the Eagles, and then on the road against the Cardinals, and at home against the Niners. I want to ask, Dallin, where do you see the loss here? Because I think I have one. Maybe really, one. one? I think this is a tough tough schedule if we're being honest i mean no, packers is, I, packers not an easy team to beat uh, aaron Rodgers is never easy you never you never feel 100 percent confident in that but you are at home at the saints in two weeks is a really tough one uh and that's that, my loss that's that, my that, loss. that is a, that a hard place to play um and you know it's the saints the saints are one of the best teams uh versus the chiefs on monday night on the 19th though you're at home that's it's just a team with enough firepower to compete with yours and in a shootout game it could be tough uh, that that's a game you know that 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 could be uh, i don't know that, that that's a hard game well, that, 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 they're one, not that really one might at be home. a loss they're not really at home they're in mexico city oh that's the game in mexico so there you go even more so it's technically a road game so you're both on the road and you're in mexico that I think probably to me has the biggest potential just because I cheat the chiefs. I think are like the second best team in the league. So if they're going to lose to anyone, it might be the chiefs of Mexico, but at lions isn't easy with how the lions have looked kind of good at bears isn't easy either. I think that saints road game on the 4th of November and the Mexico city Monday night game against the chiefs are two very losable games. If there's any on this schedule. Sure. I yeah I I I totally agree. Um, I I just see I I don't know because Mexico City I think is kind of a wash for me because it's it's both teams are on the road. I'm not gonna re- I, obviously there's probably gonna be more Rams support down in Mexico City if we're if we're being honest here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Southern California is so close, and so there's probably gonna be a lot of lot more Rams support down there. Um, but the Chiefs are a super potent offense against the Rams defense who has struggled on the pass defense side of things. Um, and so I, I that one's kind of a coin flip. I, I could see the Rams winning. So I'm not really counting that as a loss. I would say this at Saints is the only loss that I could really see potentially happening because the Saints play so well at home. 
and we've seen what the what the what the Rams do on the road in this last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago when they when they struggled against. Uh, oh, who was that? The Broncos. Uh, well, and the, the Seahawks. Broncos. I mean, both of and those are Seahawks. road games I mean, back they, to back, and they won those by a combined five points and gave up yeah, fifty one. They, they, so. They've struggled a little bit on the road, and so the the Saint, you know, playing the Saints, who are really good at home. That's the only that's the only game that I could really see um, them losing at, because uh, the Chiefs is a coin flip. I think they beat the Lions. I think this is a far superior team than the Lions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the Bears a little bit closer, but I think they're a way better team than the Bears. The Eagles at home. Eagles have not played well on the road. That is weak. The Rams there, and that is week fifteen, though. I and that's what worries me about the Eagles game, and this is which I need to mention is and that's this is where we get into the conversation. Is, right, is, that's December. If the Rams, if like, the Rams are fourteen and zero, or fit or thirteen and zero, fourteen and zero, and they're coming up on week 15, 16, 17, Do they sit their guys, or are they going for it? No, you're going for. It. Well, here's the thing. Uh, if you're 13 and 0 and you're going into week 15 against the Eagles, you're starting your guys. Cuz that's like the one game you can lose. Cuz after that you play the Cardinals and the Niners. Uh so you could probably sit your guys against either of those teams and actually still win. But like you, you can't sit your guys against the Eagles and win. I and that's a tough game. You're at home but de- in December the Eagles are going to be good. I I don't think they're going to win more than 10 games this year, but they're going to figure this out by at least Thanksgiving and they're going to be hard to beat in December. And so that might be a game as, as, as porous as the Eagles have looked so far this season, I would not count that as an easy win by any means, especially as you look at what, you know, where they will be at in their season. Eagles will probably need to win that game to stay in the playoff conversation, to stay in their division race. So that's going to be a team that needs a win against a team that's 13 and zero. that's the recipe for a loss. Uh, so I, that might be a tough game as well. But I think after that, yeah, I think Cardinals, Niners, uh, I think it's the Cardinals. Yeah, maybe you play your guys for the first half. And then if you have that, you know, three score lead, then you bench them, play out the rest of the game with the with the backups. And and then against the Niners, I don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I they, they definitely have the potential. They, they are that good of a team uh, that they have the potential to win uh, possibly, you know, all of their games. But they do have some very tough games coming up yeah it is a tougher schedule than what people give them credit for so yeah i will give them that so and i think you brought up a good point the way they have struggled on the road uh especially against the seahawks and the broncos not two very uh not good teams <laughs> and, yeah and they struggle to beat both of them so um all right before we get into the quick picks i just wanted to throw this out uh to mitch real quick I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording but uh, we're about halfway through the season and I, I think that we're starting to get to the point where we can look at head coaches and say uh, and talk about their their uh, their job stability, whether or not they are going to be able to keep their job even for the rest of this season and into the future. So I had a few names written down of guys that I think might be on the chopping block, and a few guys that you might be surprised to hear their name, but I think could legitimately uh, not be with their their team. Going into this next season, Mitch, was there any anybody that came in my, into mind for you as far as head coaches? You know, not really. It not a whole lot in particular. Hugh Jackson has always been on the chopping block for me for the last <laughs> few years. Um, 
And I think if Doug, I think if the Jacksonville Jaguars do continue to struggle, even with Leonard Fournette back, then Doug Marone would be on the chopping block. Um, really, you think Doug Marone would be? Yeah, I, th- I think if I think if Jacksonville continues to struggle once Fournette comes back, uh, then yeah, Marone's definitely on the chopping block. But I don't think they will. I don't think they will once Fournette comes back. I'm going to stick by that. Um, uh, the other one was Bill O'Brien, um, just because it's it's been a probably the worst four game winning streak that I've ever seen in the NFL, um, and the Texans have vastly underperformed what they were supposed to do under this Bill O'Brien regime. So I think that's probably the number one name is Bill O'Brien for the really? Texans. Well, see, yeah. I would have said that a long time ago, and I did say that um, before, but they've won four straight games, and the way that division looks, I think they have all the capabilities of winning that division. Uh, so, you know, well, for me, well, I, I, I'm, I I'm not, I'm not, as, I'm not as much on that as I, as I maybe was before. Yeah. I, I got one more Vance Joseph, I think in Denver, that's yeah. probably, he's probably going to be gone. I, I would, I would guess that at least. So. Yeah. That's, that was what though. The only name we've had in common here, uh, and he's actually at the bottom of mind. The reason why I, I, I would hesitate on Vance Joseph is because he's only in his second season. Now, they were 5-11 and 11 last year. So, you know, back-to-back 5-11 and 11 seasons. And, yeah, that's not that doesn't look good. But you are two years into a four-year contract. So I would hesitate on that. But I, I, I'm going to mention two guys that I think legit could lose their jobs this season that I don't think are shockers. The first is Adam Gase, who I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Eli. Uh, they went 10 and six in his first season, made a wild card somehow. It was weird. And then last season were six and 10. They're four and three right now, but I don't think either of us look at Miami as a, as a playoff team. If they go below 500 again, uh, I, I don't know if they go six and 10 or seven and nine again, then that's not a, that's not a good look. Uh, after three seasons, you made one wild card, your very first one, but you've looked porous since, I think that might, you know, after three seasons, I think that that's a guy you might want to move on from. Uh, and the other name is Dirk Cutter, and his is very similar. Oh yeah, uh, his first season, the Bucks were nine and seven, barely missed a playoff, but then five and eleven last year. Now three and three, obviously had the hot start, but have come back to reality now that Jameis Winston is playing and. Uh, they're, they're a team that's probably not going to win more than seven games. And so you might look at him and be like, okay, the last two seasons you were 12 and 20. Uh, and we haven't made a playoff since you've been the head coach. So, you know, you might be out. I think those two guys in Vance Joseph are probably, and, and then obviously Hugh Jackson's always on the chopping block. Um, those are the, probably the names that are most uh, common and, 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 and at least the easiest names to put up there for me. Uh, here are a few guys that, I think legit could be coaching and maybe, maybe not, maybe they won't stop head coaching completely, but might not be with the teams that they are with now. And that is Pete Carroll and Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And, and the reason why I would say these two names is, is one, I mean, the Seahawks are three and three, which is surprising and they haven't looked bad at times, but Pete Carroll is old. Despite how young he looks, he is, he is old. And this this team is at the end of this Legion of Boom era, the, the end of their competing in the NFC oh, and in the NFL in general. And this might be the season where, you know, if they go under 500, that Pete, Garrel, Pete Carroll says, hey, maybe I'm good. Or if he doesn't, 
the head, the uh, the organization says, you know what, we need a new look. We need to refresh this, and we'll let the head coach go and bring a new coach to build a, a team around Russell Wilson. I, I think that might be a possibility. And Mike McCarthy, for the same reason, I, I, I think he's at the tail end of what the Packers have been over the last you know ten or so years. And he might be a guy that, that the organization says, you know what, we need a fresh look. We have Aaron Rodgers. He signed his extension. We need to take advantage of the time he has left. And I don't think McCarthy is the guy to do that. I think they really need to bring in somebody else. And, uh, you know, I so I, I think those are two names that, you know, have been with those organizations for a while, have been successful with those organizations, have won Super Bowls for those teams, but might be at the tail end of their time with those teams. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. Um, one name I'm going to throw out that maybe I want to see back on the NFL sideline in replacement maybe for a couple of those guys is uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, I know he's yeah. Got a lot, I know he's got a lot of ties to Michigan right now, and uh, there was some talk about letting him go just because, you know, Michigan has not really been as, as good as they thought they, he, that they were going to be under the Harbaugh regime, but... Um, Maybe this is a guy that gets back on an NFL sideline and um, puts together a, another impressive run like yeah. he did with the San Francisco 49ers there for a while. Well, in Michigan, I mean, in the beginning of the season, there were talks of, of firing Harbaugh, but Michigan's now a top 10 team and right. have, have played really well. Uh, you know, played a very good game against Michigan State last weekend uh, to, to really kind of uh, you know, say, Hey, we're here. Uh, you know, we're actually a good team. And now they play, they go to play, I think Penn state, uh, either this week or next week. So they, they're gonna have a tough matchup there, but, uh, their team that actually doesn't look that bad now, uh, it's looking better. And, and that might help, uh, Harbaugh to get a job, you know, if he turns around sure. this program that they had their struggles, but he can, you know, bring them back out of it. I, I would love to see, I think Harbaugh deserves to be an NFL head coach. I really do. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the situation with, with San Francisco was unfortunate, uh, the way it all kind of went down, uh, I'd like to see him get another chance. It's Absolutely. Great, it's a great name, Mitch. So, it's great. Yeah, just some guys to think about, some names to, to keep an eye on. And a lot of these teams aren't terrible. I mean, Denver's 3-4, three and four, Tampa's 3-3, three and three, Dolphins are 4-3. and three, But uh, as you look forward to the rest of the season, if, if, they, if things you know, don't go so well, those, those names we mentioned might be guys. Uh, and Bill O'Brien. I think, I think you know, Houston has won four straight, but... You know, if they are not able to to really pull this out, then I think Bill Bill O'Brien should definitely be on the chopping block as well. I 100% agree. So, uh, are we ready to get our quick picks? We are, Mitch. Do you want to update the folks on our on our competition and where we're at? So, our quick picks. I uh, I gained a game on you. You did last week. Yeah, I was uh, I was nine and five last week. Dallin was eight and six. Uh, moving my overall record to 59, 45, and 2, Dallin going to 62, 42, and 2. So I'm within three games now. Um, things are looking better. Things are looking better after last week, but we got a lot of football left to play. So let's kick it off by the Dolphins. They're headed to the Lone Star State to take on the Houston Texans. I got the Texans in this matchup, uh, Texans at home. Like we said, the four-game win streak. I think um, they ride this ugly win streak that they've been that they've been getting and get another ugly win against uh, the Dolphins. 
Uh, Brock Osweiler gets revenge against the Texans and wins this game. This is a weird... Don't ask me why I'm picking Miami. I just have a feeling that Houston just won't win this game, even though they should. They've won four straight games. They're at home against a Miami team that hasn't looked really that good all year, but somehow Miami's going to win this. So I've got Miami on the road. All right. (laughs) Uh, We have our... I think this is the final London game. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So there's three London games. So the final London game uh, is Philly and Jacksonville. Jacksonville... uh, is is the London team. They play in London all the freaking time and they win in London. And that is why I have Jacksonville winning this game. Wow. So we are uh, 0 for 2 on agreeing here, Dallin. I got Philly beating oh. Jacksonville <laughs> in London. Um, Jacksonville is just like not not good. Not good. And I, I don't think it's defense. Defense is going to lose them this game. It's their offense. And so I got Philly in London beating Jacksonville. Blake Bortles wins in London. That's all I got to say. Okay. All right. That's what I'm banking on, at least. (laughs) Yeah. We got uh, Baltimore. They're going to go travel to take on the Cardiac Cats over there in Carolina. Uh, I have uh, Carolina giving everyone in Carolina um, another heart attack and winning this game against Baltimore. I think Baltimore slips... um, I, I just I think it's going to be another ugly game. I think it's going to Absolutely. be an ugly game, and that Carolina pulls it out maybe nineteen sixteen. I'm going to pull an odd score out there. Nineteen sixteen. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to be a defensive game because two of the best defenses, and, and Baltimore has to rely on their defense, and, and Carolina should. Uh, I have Baltimore in this game, and really? it's mainly because I picked Philly to win last week, and Carolina won. So I feel like if I if I root against them again. Uh, they, they might win Th- though. This is, I mean, Baltimore is a very right. good team. It's not just because, you know, I'm going to pick against Carolina. I, d- I could definitely see Baltimore winning this game, just like I could see Philly beating them last week, but either way, it's going to be a close game. I, I, re- I really think it's gonna be close, but yeah, I'll take Baltimore. All right. Unfortunately, uh, your bears are playing at home against the New York jets who just put, uh, I think Bilal Powell on the IR which yes. is not a good sign for their offense because he was their entire offense. I have Chicago at home. Stop, Bears. We're done. <laughs> um, we have Tampa Bay traveling to the Buckeye State to take on Cincinnati. Um, I have Cincinnati in this game. I think Cincinnati is a much better team than what we anticipated, and uh, Tampa Bay has struggled mightily over the last few weeks. Um, since the Fitz magic train has come to a screeching halt. So I'm going to take uh, Cincinnati in this game. Yeah, Cincinnati, this is easy. Tampa is not good. No. They're just not, not good. good. They're just not good. No. Uh, an, an intriguing matchup of like three and three teams. Is Detroit three and three? I don't know. They're three and three or three and four or something. I, I got I to gotta look this up. Uh, I can't be out here. You know, not knowing things. Uh, I uh, uh, Detroit's three and three. Yes, I was right. Yep. An intriguing matchup of three and three teams. Teams you don't really want to play, but you probably should beat. Seattle against Detroit in Detroit. I'm going to pick Detroit in this game. Seattle's coming off the bye, but Detroit has looked a lot better over the last few weeks. The offense is really figuring things out. They 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 did something crazy, Mitch. They started giving the ball to carry on Johnson. Carry on my wayward son. And all of a sudden. About time. 
all of a sudden now the offense looks great. And it's like, huh, I wonder why. It's because Matt Stafford isn't throwing the ball 60 times a game. You actually have a running back and they're using him. I, I it think is Detroit about time. It's yeah. a sneaky good team. I would. I, I know that the beginning of the season has not been very good for them, but now that they have unleashed Carrion Johnson, the defense is not terrible. They, especially the secondary, is, is pretty dang good. And I, I think they really do have some potential. I, I've got Detroit at home. Yeah, I got Detroit at home as well. Um, it, Seattle traditionally has not played very great out on the road, um, and so I, I and Detroit's been a kind of a tougher place to play this year. So um, and Detroit, obviously, like like you said, they've they've looked very very good. Um, I'm gonna hot take of the week. I'm gonna say that Matt Stafford has three fifty and three touchdowns. Okay. That that that'd be a good performance against Seattle's D. Yeah. So following that game, we have a uh, Denver. We have a AFC West matchup. The Denver Broncos are traveling down the mountain, and they're headed over to the Midwest to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. I have KC in this game. Um, Pat Mahomes is going to throw for like thirty-seven touchdowns and. 1,300 yards in this game. It's going to be unreal again. Uh, he's going to tear apart this Denver defense that is not as good as we think it is going to be. And I, 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 yeah, KC by 20. KC by 20. Okay. I'm saying. All right. You know, uh, this was a close game when Kansas City came to Denver earlier this season. It was a close game. It was kind of fir- the first test for Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think this is going to be a close game in Arrowhead Stadium. So, yeah, I, I have Kansas City, and I think it's going to be a multiple-score win. For, Arrowhead, for, another, for the Chiefs. another tough place to play. Yeah, very Arrowhead. tough, very tough. Uh, we got an NFC matchup here. Washington at the Giants. I have the Giants in this game. It's because you don't want that tattoo, don't, isn't it? That is a big part of it, Mitch. But on top of that, on top of that, I, I don't think they're a terrible team, and... I, they got to win some games. They're not going to go one in fifteen. They're going to win some games. A home game against a division rival—that's a game I'd like. I'd put a bet on if I was going to bet at all on the Giants. So I'll take Giants at home. Saquon rushes take, for two hundred yards. I'm taking Washington. Um, I am all on the AP train uh, as far as uh, his reviving his career. Um, and Alex Smith, I think, is going to is going to turn that around for that Washington offense. Um, I got Washington at home team left butt cheek. That's what I'm at team left butt cheek. (laughs) You're getting that tattoo, bud. Um, after that we have Cleveland. They're leaving believe land and headed to the steel stit, the steel city to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I have Pittsburgh in this game. I think Pittsburgh's going to turn it around. Uh, Cleveland's played a lot of close games like we've talked about throughout the last several podcasts uh, that Cleveland is really, really close to turning this franchise around. They're just not quite there yet. Um, I think Pittsburgh gets this win in a close game, actually. I think it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, I think it'll be close as well, but Pittsburgh's going to win this one. Cleveland played another overtime game last week, and... (sighs) I, I don't know. They, they You can only do that so much. They played so much more than any other team in the NFL because of how many freaking overtime games they played. Uh, this game will not go to overtime. This game will not be a tie. Pittsburgh's going to win this. Uh, they're at home. It's, it's you know, 
be a much better situation for them as opposed to week one in Cleveland in the rain. Uh, So, yeah, I I have Pittsburgh in this game as well. So, so margin of victory, what are you, what are you putting in that? Uh, you know, I think it'll be close. I think a touchdown, maybe 10 points six. at the most, you know? I think I said six. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Division rivals, they always play close. And, and, and though Cleveland is not as good of a team as Pittsburgh, they, they have been a tough team to beat. I mean, how many overtime games they've played? They've, they've played teams very, very close. And I, I don't see why this would be any different. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, we have the Colts and the Raiders in Oakland. Uh, Oakland completely punting on their season. I have the Colts on the road. Yeah, I have the Colts as well. Um, Oakland, obviously, with the trade of Amari Cooper and the rumors about Derek Carr. Um, I'm just uh, I'm skeptical about that team. I, I know where John Gruden's going, and I, I think I know where he's going with this. So, uh, But I'm going to stick with Indy. Here on this one. Indy by 13. Indy by 13. So following that game, we have San Francisco. They're traveling down to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I have San Francisco on the road. They have looked really, really good recently. Now, I know they struggled um, last week. What was against the Rams? Um, Of course, everyone's going to struggle against the Rams. Um, But they looked really good against Green Bay. Um, And so... And I think that Arizona is is you know definitely a few tiers below Green Bay, obviously. And so I I want to put San Francisco on the road against Arizona. Um, who won this matchup the first time? Because they just played a few weeks ago, right? Uh, Arizona did. Arizona did. Okay, I, I'm going to take Arizona again. I was at that game. I was yeah, at that's game. that's what I thought. I thought that the garbage game of the year, and we get it again. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Arizona. At home here. Really? Yeah. Okay. At home. Josh Rosen is going to have a good game eventually, like a really good game, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's why he was drafted where he was. Uh, this they, uh, this is the opportunity for it against another one in one in six team or whatever they are. So, yeah, I'll take Arizona at home. I don't feel good about all picking right. this game at all. It's garbage. This is, just, this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. It's garbage, it is, bitch. It is garbage. It is garbage. Gar- give you garbage that, game. Garbage game. All right. We have the Rams, who we talked about, playing Green Bay at home in the Coliseum. I uh, have the Rams in this. This isn't the game they lose. Yeah. Nope. Not the game they lose. Rams easily by 17. Sorry, Angela, if you're listening still. So. <laughs> I think if you're a Packers fan, it's not that hard to be like, yeah, the Rams are going to beat us by a lot. If, you, if you know. you're if you're a realistic Packers fan, you know your team sucks. Uh, but <laughs> wow. you know, I don't know if they I, do. They suck, Mitch. If you take Aaron Rodgers off that team, they do suck. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. So I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, but Rams, Rams over Green Bay. For yeah, sure. for sure. Uh, following that, we have New Orleans. They're traveling up to cattle country, dairy country. They're taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I have New Orleans on the road. Um, they're playing in a dome, just like they do at home. And I think that this team, this offense is far superior to the Minnesota defense. So I am going to go with New Orleans on the road in Minnesota. You know... I have Minnesota at home. 
I think this okay. is one. This is a great Sunday night game. So we've had great we've game. had some great Sunday night matchups. You know, we had Kansas City Cincinnati, which wasn't a great game, but you know, two good teams. We had Kansas City New England the week before, and now yeah, New Orleans Minnesota, who, who probably going into the season were two of the if not the two biggest favorites to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe the Rams, but. I, I think Minnesota and New Orleans were definitely two teams that were talked about. So a uh, great matchup, but I, I think Minnesota has looked a lot better after their slow start. Uh, that offense is humming, especially Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. Uh, and, and I, 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 I don't know. New Orleans played a tough game against Baltimore. We're able to get that victory, but Minnesota has what Baltimore doesn't, and that's a much better offense. Uh, so yeah, I have Minnesota at home. But that's that, that's going to be a close game, though. Uh, much like the game that New Orleans had last week against Baltimore. I think, I think this is an, another, another close game. And yeah. finally, the Monday night game. This one's easy, Mitch. This one's really easy. It's, it's New England at Buffalo. Um, I mean, I think you're stupid if you don't take Buffalo in this game, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's Derek Anderson at home at Orchard Park. I mean, how, how do you not take Buffalo in this game? LaShawn McCoy's injured. He's out. It's the perfect scenario for Buffalo to win. I'm just kidding. Now, obviously, New England wins this game by like three touchdowns. Okay, I I picked New England here. Okay, let's make this very clear. Okay, I picked New England, but there is a small part of me, <laughs> a very small part of me that was like, "What if Buffalo won?" Just like, just what if? And I'm I'm not saying that it's going to be Buffalo that wins, but it's going to be a closer game than people expect. I'm going to say New England 26, Buffalo 20. Wow, I don't know Buffalo. I don't know if Buffalo can score twenty points. Listen, I, I know, be- I, I I know, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, New there- England's got a porous. Is, they, their defense isn't that good. Their defense isn't that good. Buffalo puts up twenty at home in Orchard Park or, or, or Orchard whatever they got, and it's you know what? Why not? Why not give them that shot there? You know, why not? Here's what I will say. Traditionally, you know, a full, healthy, decent Buffalo team is hard to beat at home, especially when you're a division rival that's hated as much as uh, the Pats are. But they're starting Derek Anderson. They have no LaShawn McCoy. There's no way they win this game. Though, all I will say is that this is a team that somehow has won two games this year, and they were against two possible, if not probable, playoff teams in the Titans and the Vikings. So, I I don't know what to think of Buffalo, but this is not the game they win. I would be shocked. I I don't know what I would do if Buffalo wins this game. I, th- I think if Buffalo wins this game, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick need to retire immediately. Like, if they lose this game to really Derek Anderson bad, huh? on the road, yeah, the, no, you know, the only good player on that team is LaShawn McCoy, and he's not even going to play in the game, and you're starting Derek Anderson, and you lose to the Bills, yeah, yeah, you, Tom Brady and, and Belichick need to just hang it up and be like, that's it, sorry, yeah, we can't play anymore. <laughs> they always lose every year, and we've seen this with Miami. They always lose a game that they shouldn't lose every single year. Yeah, this ain't it. What's not to say 
That it's not Buffalo. I there's a lot to say that it's not Buffalo because this Buffalo team is atrocious and they have a third string quarterback and they're missing the only good player on the team. Yeah. Where was Miami last year when they lost to Miami on the road? Hey, they had Jay Cutler. Don't get Jay J- Cutler, a guy they didn't expect to have on the field. <laughs> A guy they didn't expect to have on the field. And where do they wind up? Where do they end up when they go to Miami? <laughs> Mitch, if you're so confident in the Bills, why didn't you pick them? Because I know the Bills suck ass. That's why. <laughs> well, if they suck ass and stop trying to argue for them. No, but oh I'm saying it's gosh. going to be a close game. Don't count the Bills out. I'm taking New England, but don't count them out. Don't count them out. Nah, I don't know about that. Count them out. The Bills will score like three points this game. Oh man! Sorry, right. I got Mitch, a little worked up. Mitch, there. we oh. have quite a few different different games this week. Let me let me count these out. We have three, four, five, six six different games. We picked six I could different make up games. Some, I can make up some serious. This could be here, huge. Anya. This could be huge if for I both hit ways. Right. If, if I, I hit, hit right, right, you're like done. I can get like a seven game lead on you. Yeah, no, I'm screwed. I'm screwed if that happens. I'm screwed. This is a big week, Mitch. We got a big week. Week eight. We're, all, we're basically, after this, we'll be like halfway through the season. This is a, this is a turning point. Yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's all we got for quick mix this week. Um, I think that's what we got for the podcast. I think so. It's been, it's been a longer one, but. As we warned you ahead of time, it's a loaded episode, and there's so much to talk about. We didn't want to miss any of it. We wanted to give you all that we had. That's right. That's right. If you guys haven't listened to the middle part of this podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on the Instagram at Sports Hour Guys or The Sports Hour Guys. We would like to invite you to follow us on the Twitter account that is Sports Hour Guys and like our Facebook page, the Sports Hour Guys with Mitch Moe and the Mormon. And go ahead, comment on it. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better. You know, we would love it if you guys shared the podcast with a friend. Like if you know a friend, Share it with that, a friend. Lo- that loves sports as much as you do, just tell them, hey, there's these two weird guys. They don't know what they're talking about. And one one's a Mormon, and one does a top five list, and they're they're kind of cool. So go check them out. We we would just appreciate that a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good way to describe us, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that, it's it is a it's a weird guy and a guy that does top fives for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, and I'm a weird guy too, so I'll, I'll go with you on that. True. One, but. We're just two weird guys having a good time. All right, two guys, we guys appreciate having... you guys listening to the episode. Uh, thanks uh, to the guests that we had on. Obviously, that was awesome. And uh, we will catch you next week. See ya. <laughs>